guys, welcome to Minefields. I'm going to start off today possibly owing Tony a dollar into the Abuela Friendly bin because I told him I had a weird day, and this is how my day started. I woke up tired, just like usual. Drink my coffee, whatever. Go to Chick-fil-A because I woke up too late to make my breakfast. And the most horrifying thing in the world happened to me. Something I never... I'm sure it's happened before, but it's never happened to me, and it's never happened to anyone I actually personally know. But Chick-fil-A fucked up my order. Royally. <laughs> royally. Royally messed up my order. Now, here's the problem. I'm still in line. Uh, they hand me my bag. It's a little light. I open it up. There's just the biscuit. I order the number five, the bacon, egg, and cheese uh, with uh, the, the hash browns. I ask for one ketchup and a coffee with a coffee. I'm like, hey, where are my hash browns? So, but I wasn't like that because it's Chick-fil-A. I'm like, hey, ma'am, uh, I think you might have forgotten my hash browns. She's like, you didn't order the hash browns. And I'm thinking, well, I ordered the number five. You know, like, that's the combo. You know, you just got to tell them the bacon or the sausage. And... It comes with the hash browns. And, yeah. she, and she's like, well, I guess we didn't charge you for them. Like, okay, no problem. Here's my card. I, I, she had trainee on her. So I, I handed her my card before she got worried that she was going to get in trouble. And um, they, they gave me so they gave me the hash browns anyway. Okay, no problem. My work's like three minutes away. Pull up, me and my car, listen to my podcast. Unwrap my, my biscuit. It's just a biscuit with bacon in it. There was no egg and there was no cheese. Now, <laughs> they also forgot to put the cream and sugar in my coffee. So literally everything was wrong. And they forgot my ketchup. Now, oh, wow. I've had my order get messed up before. But not a chick fil Never a Chick-fil-A. I'm happy going to Chick-fil-A. I try not to say thank you so they don't have to say uh, my pleasure too many times and feel like a punk, you know? Yeah. Here's the problem. This was so unusual to me. I felt like it put a hex on my day. Like, should I go back to go back home, go to sleep, and wake up and start all over again? Because this has never happened before, and I feel like I'm about to like walk in and like you're fired. <laughs> but anyway, so my day goes up to a point, to a peak, and then instead of instead of going down, it just kept going up. Uh, awesome things happen at work, but at the end of the day. I'm hungry. I want to, I want, I'm tired. We got to record tonight. I want some Popeye's chicken sandwich. Get the Popeye's. They say, we're chicken sandwiches. And I was like, okay, let me get the number eight. And the, the lady was like, you know what? I'm so, I knew you came here just for the, the chicken sandwich. I'm going to give you some extra chicken tenders. Thank you so much. She put ten. This whole box was... I'm not even halfway done with this thing. Nice. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I dollar. But still, I think it was... Oh, yeah. I think it was justified. <laughs> Uh, you can't. You can't go into. I. I, I have a I have a personal hatred of uh, when freaking people get the orders wrong. I'm like, I told you, I paid for it. Like, I, I always specify. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a mayo guy. Yeah. I hate mayo. I hate mayo. Like, you know, yeah, they put it on there. They always put too much of it, and I'm not a fan. Like, freaking. I've gone around. I've gone into drive-throughs at freaking like multiple times to be like, I asked for this with no mayo. Can I please just get it with no mayo? And like, I will, uh, I'll be the jerk and I'll sit there in drive through and like go through it and look at it just to be on the safe side. Yeah. Because at that point, my mind is like, I, I asked you the first time, 
you know, I had to drive around already. Like, I will, you know, at this point, it's on you. Yeah. 100%. And then, and then I will freaking know, and I'll have them. I'm just going to sit here, just, can you do it again with no freaking mayo? Yeah. Like, I remember one time, way, like, probably 10 years ago, I freaking, uh, I dropped off my girlfriend at the time. It was the first time she'd met my mom. And I drove back to, I want to say Taco Bell, because I screwed up my order. I, I was so insistent on getting the order right that like, I just was like, screw it. And drove back to get it. Because you're justified. I completely understand that. As someone that worked food service for a long time, I understand. You might have food allergy. You might have, like, like I don't like regular mayo. If I if mm-hmm. I do use mayo, it's Miracle Whip. The the actual yeah. taste of regular mayo is like nails on a chalkboard to me. It'll ruin the whole thing. I won't be able to ignore it. Yeah, I get it. But that Chick Fil A thing scared me, man. Like it was a hex on my whole day. Mm-hmm. But I maintained, persevered, and here we are recording. You fought through. You fought through. <laughs> fought through. But it's good to talk, to you man. Good to record today. We. Getting closer and closer to Colin coming back in October, I guess. Yes, may the, may the 4th be with him. May the 4th be with him, yes. You know, he's having a limit-pushing day. He's recording with the uh, nice gentleman that played the uh, son in Tron. Oh, awesome. On Tron Legacy. He was also the... Did you ever watch Four Brothers? Uh, yeah, back in the day, yeah. Yeah, that movie owned, man. That was a John Singleton movie. He's the one. Mm-hmm. He's the dude that played the younger brother that got shot in the street, like, midway when they really made, really made them mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's working with that gentleman today on the, the set of the, um, what was it, the, the King of Tulsa with uh, Mr. Little Sly Stallone. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's, he's limit-pushing. We're limit-pushing. We're... we're Going full force for May the 14th be with you. Tickets still available? Yeah. Be there. Be square. By the whole seat, join the edge. Correct. It's going to be... I love that. I love that, like, uh, the, the first time we sold out of seats since we've been back, that the girls need to just let people coming in. We got mm-hmm. we had Irene and Candace there, like, come on in. <laughs> like, stay in a room. Bring a friend. Bring a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always a always a good feeling to know you're doing a good job and people are receptive to come back. Yeah, I, I love the smiles on their faces when they're leaving, man. Like these people are pumped. They saw a killer show. Indeed. They yeah, so always, yeah. always. Then they know it. They know it. They're gonna be back. They're gonna be back. We got Blockbuster coming out this Saturday, just like usual. Um, we got the designer tickets all designed. We got a couple little tweaksies to do on those. And I know, looking awesome, man. Looking awesome. Shoot. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I appreciate the good input and positive uh, remarks that I get from y'all. And you know, it it only improves what we do. And uh, but we got we got we got two wrestling top conversations before we get in the into the uh, thick of things today. All right. Right. Talking about your idea, what really makes the top spot wrestler? Yeah, no, um, you know, it's kind of it's, it's it's an interesting conversation. Like I was just thinking about it. How did you? And how it's did like, you, how did you land on this in the first place? Like, well, it's just always kind of an interesting idea. 
like you know uh, the FTR from AEW call themselves the top guys. Yeah. And it's like you know, kind of by you know by design. There's there's uh you know there's only so many spots basically, and there's only really one top spot. And you could be a main event guy, but you could still not be the top guy. You know, CM CM Punk was you know champion for 500 plus days, but not once was he considered the top guy. And that was something that he even brought up. You know, his whole thing, you know, famously when he left WWE, was that he wasn't getting his well-deserved spot at WrestleMania in the main event. And he carried, you know, he, you know, he was the uh, the wrestling fans champion basically yeah you know and we they've you've seen that multiple times where the you know a guy's got the belt but he's not the top guy right and it kind of got me thinking you know what what constitutes a top guy what makes a top guy you know and it, it's kind of like a large part of the intricacies of pro wrestling is you know you can you can bust your hump for years decades even and never get that that position you want for any multitude of reasons. It could be something your own. It could be something that you're doing. It could be something you're missing. It could be something that somebody doesn't see in you. Um, you know, there's you know several guys that you know there's you know there's been multiple stories over the years of guys that have left the WWE, for example. They go reinvent themselves in other places on the Indies and Impact and AEW, whatever have you. AJ, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, well, not even, not even AJ so much because AJ he was, was always like kind one, of a one little. Didn't he only do like one spot? And they he did. He did one match against the Hurricane in like 2002, and they offered him developmental deal. And his his wife was uh, in college at the time, and he would have had to move. And he didn't want to, you know, put her through that with her. I think it was like her last semester or something like that. She was training, and a he decided not to. Yeah, she was. She was a teacher. She is a teacher. Um, and freaking, you know, he decided to. That wasn't. It wasn't worth it, basically. Right. And you know, he ended up, you know, making a name for himself elsewhere. But like Drew McIntyre is the first one that really comes to mind. Yeah, he uh, like I, I like the hearing the stories from the podcasts uh, where um, I remember hearing a couple podcasts. They weren't necessarily shoot podcasts, but hearing people mention him. And they he wasn't everyone's favorite person in the world, and mm-hmm. uh, and then he goes and he puts himself through the ringer. You, you you were talking about a quote he was he mentioned about putting himself through it, right? Um, yeah, he, he was. He, you know, like he, he said himself, you know, he was he was pegged to be this top guy from the start, and it kind of went to his head a little bit. You know, he was, you know, and that's, you know, when you're, you know, when you're a young guy in your early 20s and you're told, hey, you're going to be this guy, you know, it, you know, why wouldn't it go to your head? Right. You know, but he, you know, he got fired, you know, freaking, he went on the indies, he had a tear, he went to Impact, he was great, you know, he ended up back in, in WWE, and then he ended up, you know, doing the whole thing where, you know, Rumble and beating, eliminating Brock, and then beating Brock for the belt at Mania. I liked him working with Doth, by the way. That was the only time I've ever really liked Doth, was, like, the way he put he put Drew over. He was specifically there to put Trump, uh, Drew over. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what Dolph Ziggler does. But, yeah, no, another guy, uh, Bobby Lashley, you know, Lashley left, what, 2008, 2009? 
you know, was you know, a different place. I think it was in TNA for like a cup of coffee. And then he left and didn't really do much for a long time and then came back to TNA later um, with MVP. And, um, you know, he ended up, next thing you know, he was you know, champion of like three different divisions and WWE came calling and he came back and it took him, you know, it took him quite a while, but he finally ended up, you know, wrestling Drew McIntyre and beating him for the belt and, you know, finally got that match with Brock Lesnar. He was, you know, promised when he, you know, signed back with them in like 2015, 2016. Yeah. You know, but like, it's kind of one of those things is, you know, freaking, you know, both that, you know, those are admirable because it's two guys that freaking left and, you know, they went and did what they could do to, to put them, to show themselves in that positive light as a guy that could carry a company. Well, but like really you kind of look at these guys and it's, you know, some guys, you know, some guys have to fight back for that position and some guys, you know, are kind of pegged you know, as stars and, you know, they kind of just, you know, they're, they're set up instantly as like top tier characters. Now, I need your perspective on this because I've got my mentality. We've talked about it before is one of the reasons why this works so well with you, me and Colin is because, um, you know, you're DC guy. You're like, you know, just we peg, peg it, you know, you're DC guy. I'm the indie guy. Colin's the Marvel and like the space guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when it comes to like wrestling, like, I mean, getting back into it, like, man, I was just so excited to be enjoying Raw again, so excited to be enjoying SmackDown again, but then, you know, the Bullet Club, you know, tempted me away from everything, everything New Japan, and I got back to my indie ways. Now, from that lens, I started, like, the rose-colored uh, lenses I was looking through immediately got tainted by, like, oh, he's just The Rock's, you know, third cousin, or... You know, like, like it just, it. I, I feel sometimes my my indie clout hinders me from enjoying a good product. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Like where I was all about Kevin Owens, but like at the same time though, being so about the indies and Kevin Owens and him being Kevin Steen, like probably stopped me from liking a bunch of really good matches that if I had not been such a like you know. I own the vinyl guy. <laughs> like, that makes yeah. sense. Um, like, you have, uh, like, I love hearing when you talk and go on these tears because, like, when I think about wrestling, I'm thinking about dream matches. I'm thinking about storylines. But you're thinking about these, like, like spaces in between thing, like, the, the like higher level of consciousness. Like, I'm curious, like, how you even, even landed on this, like, that, that it, it's, it's such a great topic to talk about. You're, you're that involved in, in so many different parts of it. Granted, I'm not a wrestler, but mm -hmm. how did you land on it? And then what is your advice to people, like, that can be indie jerks like me? Well, as far as the indie jerk thing, like, I think, you know, tribalism is definitely a thing. Like... You know, there, there are definitely certain sections of the fans that are like, you know, I'm a WWE guy, screw AEW. I'm a AEW guy, screw WWE. Like, both both places and other places all have their positives and negatives. Like, I've talked about it on, on the show before. 
I'm a, I'm an AEW fan. I like the product overall, but I'm also not blind to the fact that there are certain things about AEW I don't like. And I think that's very... You can definitely enjoy a product, but not love everything about it. I think that's a huge thing that people need to realize. You don't need to be like, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm on this bandwagon, so screw everything else. Yeah, like you can enjoy, you can, you can, you can like AEW, you can like WWE, you can like Impact. You know, Impact personally, in my opinion, doesn't get nearly the love it deserves. Those guys are doing some great work. You know, um, same thing with New Japan. You know, you can, you can love, you know, uh, an Okada match just as much as you enjoy, you know, a Roman Reigns match. It's, it's, you have to understand that it's um, one of the biggest things I always I got out of working with a lot of the um, like guys like Les Thatcher, the old school, and uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, those guys that are you know generations before myself when I you know was young and up and coming, was that uh, they always talked about different flavors of ice cream. You know, some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, some people like Rocky Road. You know, but at the end of the day, it's all still ice cream. Yeah. You know, and it's all still, it's, you know, it's rest. It's all still under the, uh, you know, it's all still wrestling at the end of the day. And, you know, it's okay to not like some forms of it. You know, you don't need to bash it per se, obviously. But it's definitely like, it's not something that you need to harp on. You know, freaking, if, you know, Roman Reigns isn't your cup of tea. Don't watch Roman Reigns matches. Right. You know, if freaking if you don't like Adam Cole, you know, nobody's making you sit there and watch it. No. You know, nobody nobody's making you sit there and put something on the internet that way freaking people can agree with you or disagree with you. You know, if you want to start a legit conversation about it, cool. But you've got to be willing to accept the fact that people aren't gonna agree with you. And some people are gonna be jerks about it. You know, you you know, don't be that jerk. You know, you can you can have a whole conversation about how you don't care for, you know, wrestler A, without being like, screw that guy, you know, you know, screw this company, blah blah blah. Because guess what, they don't care. No, they they are trained, you know, from before they freaking put on they have their first match before they put on their first pair of boots. Some people just aren't gonna like you. Wrestling is insanely subjective. And what you like isn't going to be what somebody else likes. And that's completely and utterly okay. You know, I'm not a huge Orange Cassidy fan. Doesn't mean the guy's not talented. It's just not something that I personally enjoy. I agree. I like, I guess sometimes like when it boils down to it, when I, when it comes to the indie jerk in me, I like, I like being in the ground floor. Not, not to be the, I have the vinyl, but I, I, like, I believe what you're looking for is, I knew I knew them before they were national acts. <laughs> no, not just that. I mean, like that's fun. Don't get me wrong, but I, I like, I like specifically. I like enjoying someone's succeed, someone I believed in right from the bat. Like, and and I really like when like there. I could be watch. I remember I was watching Impact one time, and these guys called the North came out, and I I had the decision either get up pause it, fast forward, or go take a whiz. But I was like, no, let's check these guys out. 
one of the best tag teams I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It would have been the biggest mistake of my life, to one of the biggest mistakes of my life, uh, to, to have not invested the time in those gentlemen. And I, I love the fact that I found them myself. Like, I, someone didn't tell me they were cool. Um, and, it, yeah, like I said, you know, the, having the owner of the vinyl is one thing, but, like, like, um, like being so proud of uh, people I've been following since they started, uh, like, it, it, it's just, it, it adds an extra gravitas to me that uh, it is very hard to explain. But at the same time, though, how many, you know, amazing Roman Reigns matches have I missed because I was just mad that they just Superman punch, Superman punch, Superman punch, or um, watching what I don't believe is good business go on. And it, it's just, I, I'm, I'm only bringing this to light because your perspective is uh, subjective. Uh, yep. you, you do have your biases. But you, oh yeah, you, 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 for, but you, I want to point out real quick. I liked them when they were Monster Mafia. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I know, and I get it, and I get it. That's when, they, when they were when they were in Peter, they were in PWG for a cup of coffee, and they were like based in job matches at the Ring of Honor. They were called Monster Mafia. And I dig it. I dig it. Let's go to let's let's go to Independent Records and go find <laughs> and go find the old uh, let's go find the old bootleg tape, man. Or the, uh, well, it, no, it, we're gonna we're gonna find the we're gonna find the vinyl. Yeah, we'll find the vinyl, it, and it, uh, but it adds to the hunt. But uh, it, it, you know, if we were there, like if we were, we'd been McFarland fans since his Hulk days, and, and like, and then we were we were first in line at a spinner rack to get you know, uh, two ninety eight, two ninety nine. Uh, mm. I hate John. I hate being Johnny come lately to the party. Yeah, and I'm only and I'm only saying this because. Uh, you, you did a, an amazing job of being biased, but pointing out your biases and telling people how to be subjective. And then I, I, I could not have not countered with, don't be the indie jerk. Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes doing that is a mistake. It, it's just, I mean, if, if you don't like Mickey Mouse, you don't like Mickey Mouse, but sometimes there's a really good Mickey Mouse cartoon out there, man, and, 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 you, and you're just going to say no to it because... It's not, it's not underground enough. <laughs> like, yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. make it make you ain't chasing it, he ain't in enough car chases. It ain't crazy enough, right? But yeah, no, I just wanted to point out that freaking. I, I think you just picked the perfect tag team in the north because I was like, I, I knew them before they were cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, nice. But yeah, no. Um, as far as the idea, it's actually, um, it's based on the whole Forbidden Door thing that pay per view AEW and uh, New Japan are doing together. Because they were talking about um, a bunch of the podcasts I listened to, were talking about oh, who's o- you know, Okada is going to wrestle, and they're like, you know, if we're going to do a, a main event match right now, like the top three AEW guys, it was a uh, Punk, Danielson, and Hangman Page, and they were going off about how it was kind of like it was a little bit sad that the AEW champion was like the third guy on that list that you wanted to wrestle, watch wrestle Okada. Yeah. And that's really kind of got me thinking. It's like, you know, you get those those main event guys, and you get those guys that are like, you know, your Hogan's and your Austin's, and like, who were like, obviously the guys for their generation. And it was like, got me thinking, you know, really like, what constitutes that, you know? Because even for AEW, like Hangman, 
isn't that top guy. Like he doesn't have that top guy feel. He's a great champion. He wrestles really well. And they've done that's this whole story of him redeeming himself and the the whole millennial cowboy thing has been phenomenal. Yeah. But like ever since he won the belt, he hasn't been seen as the guy. No, not, not at all. You know, it's very much like when John Cena first got the championship and like the first guy he was wrestling was Chris Jericho, who you may have heard of. Yeah. And then like right after that it was Kurt Angle. And that's really where the Cena suck stuff started because Cena was seen as beneath these guys, and but yet he was beating them. And that's really where the, the negativity towards Cena really started out. You know, and he, you know, over time he was able to, you know, overcome that, you know, and really cement himself, you know, as the top guy of that generation. And, like, time will tell if Hangman's able to do the same. Because, I mean, the guy's got all the tools. He's just, like, you know, he's got a connection with the crowd, which is, you know, personally, my opinion, you know, the most important thing. I agree. But he's got a free, but he's just, he's missing that, he's missing that, that something that'll really make him a guy that can carry you know, AEW into the future and make him that top, that top tier baby face. There's, that's a, that is a, we need to write that down. We need to armchair book that. Because if anyone can figure out the missing ingredient is the two guys that dissect comic books as religiously as we do. Like, we're going to have that aha moment. Like, like we're closing our eyes going to bed and like, like he needs He's this one little thing. Like, um, <clears throat> to put it in perspective, I think I mentioned it to you like a long time ago. Was um, so uh, Rick Rick was it Rick Rubin or Rick Ross? It was Rick Ross was producing the uh, uh, the System of Down record where it's BYOB and mm-hmm. like Jericho was interviewing the the guitarist and like how's how's it like working with him? And he's like, man, it's weird. He'll just be sitting there not his head, and then he'll just. He'll just have this weird idea, and we're we're recording BYB, and the beginning of the song goes, uh, it's got that crazy guitar breakdown, and then all of a sudden, uh, you, you hear the guitar scream, "Why do they always send the poor?" And uh, he was like, "That was part of the song later on," and he's just kind of rubbing his beard, and he's like, "Why don't we start the song with that?" And he said, "We're we're like, okay, it's Rick. Let's just try it out." We don't think it'll mm-hmm. work. They moved it from here to here, just a little, little, little minutia of a move, and it was, mm-hmm. it was lighting a stick of dynamite. It, it, it went from a great song to lighting like the 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 song was already TNT, but then it became like a, a nuclear explosion. The way they screamed it like that, and I think Hangman needs that that little something. There's some little thing. I mean, like, like obviously he can't be drinking beers from the crowd anymore before COVID. But um, yeah. I mean, that was that was it was kind of fun. I really need to get that. I've got a hangman, but I don't have the one that comes with the beer with the uh, with the Stein. <laughs> nice. But does it yeah. make sense? No, I mean, it, to- it totally does. Like he's just, you know, he's just kind of missing that one thing. Cause like, you know, afterwards. You know, I was kind of like thinking about it after we kind of discussed this. Uh, we started on this topic, and like I think one of the huge things is really 
like how you like to, to, it's how you it's how you end it how you end your title run like when you when you're the top guy like you have to lead into the next top guy okay cuz i've been i've been thinking about WWE a lot with this and like with only a t- only a couple exceptions you can basically follow through their their large like their their top guy title reigns, which is what I'm calling it. Okay, gotcha. And in almost always, it leads into the the either the next top guy or guys they think would be the next top guy. Do you think it's part of an evolution when they realize that I no longer need the belt? I'm agreeing with said promoter Booker's. We need to put this guy over. I I need to evolve into the guy that doesn't need the belt anymore and help the next guy out. Is 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 it like a that thing, or is that only in like special coincidence and in, uh, in situations where where everything is kind of coalescing and copacetic, where they can it can be that story storybook, you know, like behind the scenes tale. Yeah, it definitely could be. It's, I mean, it's definitely like a melding of the minds at some points. But at some point, sometimes it just is, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Because, like, you know, if you start off with Hulk Hogan, you know, in their minds, you know, Hulk Hogan will say otherwise, but, you know, they oh, they thought it should have been, they should have been the warrior. That was, that was the whole thing. They're supposed to, they'd set him off. And they'd spent so much time invested in the Warrior. You know, Honky Tonk Man had like this year and a half Intercontinental title run. And then Warrior beat him in 30 seconds. You know, Warrior turned around and freaking ended the career of the Macho Man at WrestleMania 7. And stepped on him. And Macho Man was cool with it. Yeah. That was something else. Because they wanted him to be the guy. Still didn't work. You know, he, he pinned Hulk Hogan, which is Hogan's first clean pin on TV, and I think like something like five years or something along those lines. You know, maybe maybe I think maybe I think that was pretty much it. And like, you know, on top of that, he got a, a an earlier uh, pin, um, you know, a, a pin that the referee was down for, and freaking that he didn't count. Obviously, because he was, you know, they'd done a ref bump. And freaking, you know, they did that on top of him cleanly pinning Hogan. And Hogan handed him the belt. Like, this was supposed to be, you know, the Warriors' coronation as, like, the next top guy. And, you know, it didn't, you know, it didn't work. You know, by the Royal Rumble, he'd lost the belt to Sergeant Slaughter. Didn't and then within either. months, Hogan got it back. Didn't work as in the fans just weren't having it? Yeah, it wasn't drawing the money they thought it would. You know, him being the champion didn't work out as well as they thought it would. You know, like I said, by you know, WrestleMania 6, he was, you know, coronation. By WrestleMania 7, he was, you know, retiring the Macho Man, which is still a very high-profile match. But... He wasn't the champion anymore. Hogan had gotten it back from Slaughter. You know? But I think, like I said, the coronation is really where it comes down to. Because, like, after Hogan, like, they really didn't have a next big guy. Like, like, 
a top guy really until Bret Hart. That was a long. And that time. was after, and that was between WrestleMania seven and you know, uh, Hart at main event at WrestleMania nine. But his real true coronation was until the following WrestleMania at WrestleMania ten, because of that whole nonsense where they ended up, you know, he lost the belt to Yokozuna. Hogan comes in. And Hogan wins the belt back from Yokozuna in like 30 seconds. And, you know, then Hogan just, you know, dropped the belt back to Yokozuna. You know, but it wasn't until they really, till Bret Hart at WrestleMania 10, when they realized, you know, we're finally going to go with this guy because, you know, he was kind of the, the fan's choice, as it were, of the available superstars. That's a really good point. I would, I would, like if 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 we ever get a time machine, I say it's mm-hmm. just simply to be a, figure out a way to like be a fly on the wall for these conversations of these these uh, these decisions. Yeah, like, it's so interesting to me. I would love to hear that. I mean, I get why the warrior, you know, just wasn't working. I mean, like he didn't, he wasn't taking his vitamins all the time. He was, <laughs> he was taking. Some Mexican vitamins, <laughs> but uh, but um, he wasn't friends with Mr. T. He wasn't on the A team. He he didn't have his own music video. He didn't, uh, like there was a, there was so many extra gimmicks with Hogan. Um, but um, I, I digress. Like you know, I, I we can theorize left and right, but I love your idea about the coronation. Yeah. You were hundred percent correct because the first thing that popped in my head was the literal coronation of Stone Cold Steve Austin because it's so interesting to me like how pro wrestling works. Okay. Uh, at the curtain call. Mm-hmm. Everyone hugs. Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden. Three of the four are leaving. One guy's left. He just broke kayfabe. Wrong. You were supposed to be Triple H. You were you were supposed to be king of the ring that year but we're punishing you. We're not letting you win it. We're going to give it to Stone Cold. Because of the curtain call Stone Cold they're putting the king of the ring on him. On the way out there, someone mentions to him, like, hey, Jake the Snake just cut this promo about John 316 on you. If that never had happened, we we never would have gotten Austin 316, but it was a literal coronation. It, it opened the doors for him to shine. You know what I'm saying? It was the starting block, because we'll get to Austin. Okay. Because, you know, who, who was the star after Bret Hart? Who who was the next guy? Who's the guy that Bret Hart coronated? Shawn Michaels. Exactly. Two years later, WrestleMania 12, Shawn Michaels is the new guy. Two years after that, WrestleMania 14, who's he put over? Uh, then we're going uh, WrestleMania 14. All right, I'm I'm, I'm spacing here. Um, you gotta, Stone Cold. Yeah, Stone Cold. Yes, yes, exactly. What you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, freaking, they did all that. You know, and Stone Cold was the guy. You know, and then Stone Cold, when Stone Cold left, you know, it was The Rock. The Rock, yeah, The, the yeah. Rock. It, that was the last match. Um, yeah. When The Rock left, uh, it was, um, well, he was feuding with Cena. That's a kind of a debatable thing there. Well, Rock really wasn't, he wasn't feuding with Cena yet, because freaking Rock really, the guy Rock coronated when he left was Brock Lesnar. See, that always gets fuzzy with me. Mm-hmm. Because of Lesnar's in and outs and Rock's in and outs, and then uh, Cena being steadfast throughout the entire time. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I saw an interview with um, Cena the other day, and someone asked him about his feud with The Rock, and he's like, oh, it was an ignorant feud. 
it was an ignorant feud. I didn't know what I was talking about. Like, I, I would literally call him out. And they had legit hate. You remember when he called them out for having the, the, the crib notes on his hand? And, yeah. And, um, I mean, it, it was bad. And he's like, yeah, that was a terrible thing to do. And I didn't realize was how the movie business works. You got to keep your body okay. You can't just be wrestling all the time. <laughs> like, you, like no. the, the, the whole movie is dependent on you being healthy. You go wrestle and you botch a move and you get hurt. You can't, you can't make the movie. All of a sudden, all these people can't eat. Yeah. Movie's not getting done. Might not ever get done. It was ignorant. And, um, uh, like I said, just the little intricities, but I'm getting off topic here. I apologize. Please continue. All right. So, like I said, Rock SummerSlam 02 puts over Brock Lesnar as, like, literally and figuratively the next big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Brock goes, you know, he was kind of the big fish. You know, you know, say what you will about it because, you know, Brock obviously wasn't, well, he was a monster and he was, you know, he was kind of the man. He was the freaking. He wasn't mature, you know, mature enough really for the position he was shoved in. You know, youngest champion at the time, like twenty five, I think. You know, main event, and he main evented the next year's WrestleMania, and then the year after that, he had the infamous match with Goldberg. Ooh. And then he's gone. You know, they were expecting Goldberg. They knew Goldberg was going to leave. They didn't know Brock was going to leave. He puts in his notice to go try his hand at other stuff. He doesn't want to be a wrestler. He wants to do football, MMA, the whole nine. Yeah. You know, is what it is. You know, and th- so that's where the, the big break comes in because he's just, you know, they make it, he wrestles Goldberg, he's done. You know, he's no longer the top guy. And it takes him another year, really, to coronate the next champion for the next top guy, which is Cena. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, and funny enough... You know, Cena is the guy for a while until SummerSlam again, but I think it was 2015, if I recall, where Lesnar comes back and Lesnar kills him. And it's basically, you know, he just beats the snot out of him for like 15 minutes and pins him and wins the belt. You know, and then Lesnar's dominant. And then freaking, he's, you know, he's dominant the whole time until he gets to Reigns. And Reigns is the top guy. And because Brock, had, you know, Brock put him over. But it's some definite. The fun part about this, though, is like I said, they, these are quote no the top guys. These are the guys on top, consistently multiple title reigns, the whole nine. You know, but there's some serious there's some serious omissions, which is what where things get interesting. Let's hear it. So we're talking about these top guys. Not once did I mention Macho Man. No, he, but the only time he mentioned Macho Man was when, like, the retirement when, when he was putting when he was putting over people, and then he ends up in WCW because he can't wrestle. They won't wrestle him anymore. Yeah, I won't let him wrestle anymore. You know, that's the thing about history is, you know, because Macho was great. You know, Macho deserves every accolade given to him and more. More so, yeah, more so than a lot of other people that were these quote unquote top guys. You know, but Macho was never, with Hogan being around, Macho was always the number two guy. Always the number two guy. Yeah. Even no matter, no matter what he did. He, he, he had Miss Elizabeth, and he still got put to number two position with Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Because that's the thing. And I would, do, I would also turn on debate. That he made more people than Hogan did. You know, Hogan, Hogan really made, you know, he tried to make the Ultimate Warrior. 
it didn't work. You know, Macho, you know, you could, there's no doubt in his mind, and he'll tell you himself, Macho's the guy that made DDP a star. DDP was just an undercard guy until he wrestled Macho Man. That feud set him up to be a star. One of the best in the planet. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it could be, you know, while, while Ricky Steamboat is a legend out of, uh, from what he did in the AWA or the NWA and deservedly so between NWA and WCW, what's the one match in WWE he has that everybody talks about? Oh man, you're, you're, you're killing me on this one. Oh, come on. This, is, this one's easy. WrestleMania 3. Are you talking about... Macho, Randy Savage versus Macho Man. Quite frankly, on one of the greatest matches in the history of WrestleMania. You know, even even the Ultimate Warrior, when that match where he retired him, you know, he did what Hogan couldn't. He made the Ultimate Warrior seem like a competent wrestler. Yeah, because before then, like every time he see Warrior, he'd blow himself up, running to the ring for fifteen minutes, and then he'd yeah. couple of clotheslines, step on the guy, body slam, <laughs> like it's it's over. Yeah, yeah. and freaking you know, I, I I WrestleMania six was the first pay per view I watched, and I thought you know, like everybody else, that Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan was the biggest match you could have, and you know it lived up to the hype. You know, that was a great match, but. It's not necessarily what you don't. It's you know, when you get the belt is one thing, but when you lose it, it's even more important because you got to set the next guy up. Right. And you know that's something Warrior either wasn't capable of doing or didn't he didn't do it. Like maybe it was bad booking. Maybe Slaughter wasn't the opponent he should have lost the belt to. You know that's you know. Not here nor there, you know. As as wrestling fans, that's for us to decide, really, because freaking, you know, it's how you remember it. I agree. You know, but Macho Man, you know, while he should have been a top guy, was he's one of those cats that people talk about all the time. That was kind of born in the wrong era. Era, you know, he if he had been born in another time, a few years later, he might have been the guy to succeed succeed Hulk Hogan and take WWE WWF to a higher plane. But he wasn't. Hmm. You know, another uh, another fun little exemption from this list, and I think it's interesting, especially for the early 2000s fans, Triple H. How so? Triple H was never, like, he, he had the belt, but, like, he's not really, like, you know, for everybody that talks about, you know, his title reigns, you know, everyone refers to the, uh, the legendary reign of terror. Where he, you know, who did he put over at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Batista was the one guy he ever put over. But you could always tell the way they cared about the guys in charge. Batista was never pushed, to the, while he was pushed heavily, he was never pushed to the level of John Cena. Never. Not once. Yeah. And he, you know, he had the look, he could talk, friggin'. You know, some people like really enjoyed what he did in the ring. Some people didn't. You know, but then again, you see the exact same thing about Cena. But Cena was definitely the number one guy, and Batista was definitely the number two guy. Man, that. And plus, who do you think? Can you think of anybody that Batista made a star with his um, 
during his title runs. I, I barely know anything about Matista. I've seen a few matches, but all I know is that every, I just remember him complaining all the time. Yeah. You know, Cena, Edge wouldn't be the WWE legend he is without John Cena. Edge, I would say, is probably Cena's greatest rival. I hate you. <laughs> like, like that that promo. Like, it, like I mm-hmm. was like, is this a shoot? Like, yeah. I hate you, and, and I hate your shirt, I hate your slogans, I'm like, is this a shoot? Because, like, uh, Cena, like, the smirk Cena had on his face, like, it, it looked like, a, like, a, is, is he, is he, is he doing the, the character, or is he just loving, like, hearing this guy say what he wants to say, but can't do anything about it, because I'm still yeah. not Cena. You know, um, another one, CM Punk. Without John Cena, CM Punk would not have been taken as seriously in WWE because they were able to have such good chemistry and such amazing matches. You know, he still would have been good. He still would have been as good of an in-ring talent. But WWE fans were able to take him much more seriously once he started getting in the ring with John Cena. I noticed that one of the best parts of the uh, the CM Punk DVD is the uh, everything with Cena? Like it was like mm-hmm. this. It was like it was like uh, I remember watching the uh, when you're talking about be always being the number two guy and watching the the Macho Man DVD, and uh, half of it was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> like half of it, yeah. half of it was Hogan, and it was very similar uh, with the with the CM Punk DVD. It was like oh, a lot of mm-hmm. this is Cena, but it wasn't like a lot of Cena interviews. <laughs> like Who, who's he talking to when he's cutting the pipe round promo? He's talking to Cena. He was talking to Cena. He was talking to Cena. You know? And that that's the thing. And it CM Punk might be the exact same thing. If we'd have gotten CM Punk in, you know, twenty twelve when Cena was kind of winding down and not necessarily the biggest you know, the main event guy, main event John you know, big match John and all that. Yeah. Maybe CM Punk would have gotten a shot at being the top guy. Maybe not, you know. Well, Let's talk about the homegrown heroes then when it comes to being top guy and you're not top guy. When you're in New Japan and you are you, you're the Young Bucks and you suddenly find yourself in, in the Bullet Club, one of the best things that's ever happened to us. Um, and the, the, I, I didn't give a crap about the Young Bucks at first it took me a really long time and then and then i liked them and then i was like no nah, i don't really like them like 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 i think i'm gonna actually drink the kool-aid and i kind of went down i'm not i'm not the okay. biggest i'm not the biggest young bucks fan but they invented their own narrative with the elite mm-hmm. with the elite like i feel like they, they circumvented did the whole bruce lee thing be like water okay we're not the biggest best guys in in the bullet club but we're just gonna wrestle over here for you know when we're not there in new japan and we're gonna film you know our our being the elite we're gonna call ourselves the elite we're gonna act like we're the best and you know there's a lot of kool-aid drinkers when it comes to bullet club about who's the best in bullet club i believe the uh, the thought process is you say it loud enough long enough people will start believing you i love it i love it and uh, i I just don't think that uh in, in in reason i brought it up that uh Savage, uh, CM Punk really had the chance. I mean, like, yeah, he did, CM Punk did the pipe bomb, but all it did was make him kind of, like, in actuality, like, if, if you'd have seen the, the, the pipe bomb promo now, would you mm-hmm. think it was cool, or would you think he was just being a petulant child? No, it was still cool. 
Because the, the thing is, it's not what he said. It's the fact that he'd been there for six, seven years at that point. And we'd seen him. And he was, you know, to a lot of people, he was their champion. Because, you know, he was already, you know, he'd done quite a bit. He'd already been world champion. He'd already won money in the bank. He'd been intercontinental champion. He'd been tag team champions with Kofi Kingston and I think a couple other people randomly. You know, he he had fought the system. And the whole joke is always, you know, you got to, you, you know, you have to be inside the system to fight the system. And he had tried and he had failed. And this was him being frustrated. And I'm, I'm still sure to this day he ran every word he said by them. But they wanted something different. They were willing to give him a shot. And he blew it out the water. Yeah. And I don't think you can... That, that, that was his Austin 316 promo. That was his moment. And he made the most of it. People have that. People legit have the pipe bomb memorized. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. I think it would still have that if freaking, you know, let's say Ali, for example. Because, you know, the whole thing right now is that he asked for his release. They sent him home. They, they turned around and they brought him back to TV a couple weeks ago. If he were to cut a promo like that legitimately, he'd be, he'd be a star. Because at, the end of, because at the end of the day, you know, wrestling fans, something, there's a certain amount of wrestling fans that just that want to complain about something they watch every week. Right. And those guys, those fans are going to gravitate towards a character that says what they're feeling. Rick would be all about it. Yeah. You know, there's a, and, and whether they're right or wrong, you know, who's to say really? Cause it's, you know, it's entertainment. You know, you're going to, you're, you know, if you say, if you feel that strongly about something and somebody turns around and says to you, your feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. They're your best friend. That's, that was one of the best parts about being part of the Bullet Club. Was like my feelings were like, we when we went to New Orleans, I was looking for anyone and everyone that was wearing a Bullet Club shirt, and we found each other mm-hmm. in droves. And it was, hey, new best friend, too sweet. Too, it was it was too sweet and everywhere, and yeah. and it, it it wasn't like, it was tribalism, but there was a specialness to it. There was a, 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 a big specialness to it. It wasn't just because we have the, the, the $10 subscription to New Japan and uh, watched uh, Ring of Honor a couple of days late, you know, free on the site. It, yeah. It, it, it justified our feelings for something we were freak, like so absolutely passionate about and, yeah. and, and felt deeply about. Like, like it's, one of the, it's one of the reasons why I love going on road trips with you, man, and doing Mindfields with you when we're talking about wrestling is hearing you talk like so crazy passionate about wrestling and and uh, uh, last week I had to have a uh, I had to have a dinner with um, some old family friends and I mentioned to uh, get together with my folks and I'm, I'm really I'm feeling I'm worried about this and mom's like you know why and I'm like because like I've and you and I uh, have uh, created a culture where we're when we're not at our shoe job Mm-hmm. We're constantly surrounded in surrounding ourselves with people that add to uh, our narrative, add to our passion, and uh, I'm like, you know, I'm nervous. Like I, I, I don't like I'm, I'm, I'm around all this wonderful things, and um, not that these people aren't wonderful. That's not what I'm saying. It's like it's not my world. 
Yeah, you're stepping out of your bubble. Yeah, I, I don't want to step out of my bubble. Like it's it's just it's. And uh, I don't know. I'm getting a little deviant from the uh, what we're we're talking about. Let's let's wrap this up so we can talk about some uh, some comic books, man. We've uh, we've, no, already? we've gone crazy. Did uh, I don't want to cut you off? Did did I mean like he, I I I loved your points. Everything everything was gorgeous. Like uh, like it's one of those things. Like I really we need to start charging for minefields, man. Because this is like one of those. <laughs> This is that uh, that hour long talk you get before the seminar, <laughs> like when you're you know. No, it's never an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, one other thing is, you know, there's always those guys that are kind of like above the top guy status, kind of like the the guys that are your living legend status. You know, um, first guy that comes to mind, you know, since we're on the WWE topic, is obviously Undertaker. Oh yeah. You know, Under Undertaker never. He never needed, you know, to be the champion. He never needed to be the top guy. He was the freaking Undertaker. You know, he you know, he'd win the belt, but he'd never keep it. You know, I think I think he might have had like most maybe a six month run with a belt at some point. But he was always he was he was always how I I would refer to it as like a sorry, he was always how I'd refer to it as a special attraction. Oh yeah. You know, he was always like, oh, my God, it's The Undertaker. You know, this guy was so important that, like, him losing at WrestleMania broke people. Oh, yeah. Like, like you know? sad Undertaker guy is a meme for all yeah. of them. <laughs> it's still leg- it's legendary. Freaking, um, I think I saw him with the Ring of Honor show uh, Death Down Freaking we went to a couple months ago. Yeah, people recognize the guy now, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a thing. You know, the other guy that obviously comes to mind would be Andre the Giant. You know, he's, you know, while he's kind of, he's the guy that made Hogan. You know, really at WrestleMania three, but um, you know, Andre's the other guy didn't never needed the title. He was a special attraction. Oh yeah. You know, you know, you you can't like, you know, Hulk, Hulk Hogan might have put your butt in the seat, but you were really really happy that you were there to that Andre was on that card. Yeah. You know, for me for me personally, like you know, again going back to the Ring of Honor show, you know, I you know freaking. Uh, the wrestling fan that I am, like the kind of style I'm into, as soon as I saw that FTR was going to wrestle the Briscoes, I was like, "Oh, I want to go." Yeah. But it was it was something special the when I found out. But no, not even that. When I found out Minoru Suzuki was on the card. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was. I was like, we had already had our tickets by that point, but I'm just like, dude. Yeah. You know, like, I you know, freaking I'm not. I'm not one of those guys that'll freaking go out of his way to be like, oh my god, I got ah. I'm just not, that's just not the way I'm, I'm built. You know, if I'm at a wrestling show, I'll get into it and I'll cheer and I'll boo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, just because that's, you know, that's what I want to do. You know, my kid's with me. I want him to, you know, see his dad really enjoying something. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he gets into it. But, like, when Minoru Suzuki came out and his music's playing and you're waiting for that line to come in, you're all like, Hajani, hare. You know, I don't know what I don't know what that means. Right. But I sure I sure sang it. Yeah. You know, it was it you know, very rarely do I get that into somebody that I feel like a kid again. Oh, dude, when, when, we, know, were, when we were on the way to New Era last time, I'm like, did you see who Samoa Joe's fighting next week? And you're like, you almost swerved off the road. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's you know that's what it is, man. You know, you get those, 
You know, and that's that's awesome when you get those guys that you're really huge fans of like that. But that must, you know, Minoru Suzuki, you know, he may he may never win the IWGP Championship, you know, but to me, he's in that you know special attraction. If he's on the card and I can make it there, I'm going to go just so I can see him. Oh yeah, you know that whole thought process of this guy put my butt in the seat. You know, going back to you know Mick Foley back in the '90s. You know, freaking that was, you know, that's a thing. You know, Mick Foley's another one. You know, he was never the guy. But, you know, he definitely put up a plethora of butts and seats over the years. You know, he's another guy you would put, you know, put in that special attraction, you know, living legend, you know, segment. Just because freaking the people related to him on an insane level at that time. You know, he was never going to be the top guy. You know, but people sure did. Dude, people cried. People legitimately lost their minds when he won the belt. It was, it's literally my favorite. It, it like, well, I mean, it's the most one. I I think one of the most legendary Raws of all time. You know, the the night yeah. that everyone turned the channel. But that night was just. I, I I remember watching that not when it happened, but when I when I did get to watch it, I remember every goddamn thing about it. Ah, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's three. <laughs> Shazam. Alright. No, it was like I mean, every little every little bit of it, like, you know, like him putting like Shane just he, he's about to break him, no D and Q's. Hey, and then he plugs his legit high school wrestling coach. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh you know nah, it was a wonderful night, man. Like I'm I'm smiling just thinking about watching that night, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's insane, dude. Like that, you know, the night Eddie Guerrero won the belt, you know. God rest his soul. Hell, I'm right wearing an Eddie Guerrero shirt right now. Freaking, I'm gonna cross myself yeah. just because. Yeah, you know, freaking the night he won the belt. You know, nobody thought he could do it, and he did it. You know, those, those, you know, you get those special moments. But you know, the stuff like that, man. Those guys were, like I said, living legends. You know, special attractions that you want to refer to them as. You know, but that's kind of that's kind of my take on the whole top guy thing, man. I'm gonna at least as far as WWE goes. I'm gonna add a, a new era exclamation point on that. If you don't think indie wrestling shows aren't as good as the bigger shows, Billy two point oh. It's five point two, but 5. yeah, five point two. <laughs> Him winning that belt was one of the coolest things I have ever seen. Just, yeah, no, it was solid. Freaking like, I've granted, well, a lot of different things, but watching that happen, the the storyline, like, like if someone had known, they would have filmed some extra stuff backstage. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that being said. Uh, what do you want to do first, man? Because we, like, all right, we've got Flashpoint Beyond one of six, Batman one twenty three, Suicide Squad number fifteen, Task Force C number seven, Amazing Spider number one, and the I, I, I don't we can't even say it's the meat and potatoes. It's it's the it's the filet mignon wrapped in bacon, like covered in in gold edible foil, sold uh, served to you by like you know the. The the, the 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 queen of Egypt herself. <laughs> like, like, 
I, I felt that. I'm the queen of Egypt. I want the queen of Egypt serving food, but no, they'll resurrect her just for this. Last friend was that good. Mm. Oh, it was solid. I liked it. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got some points on that one. What are you gonna do first, man? Uh, let's start out with Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, that's like let's we'll start. Let's we'll start out with a laugh, man. I was actually legit mad that this wasn't an animated comic that I couldn't have watched with you because I, I like. Like, I honestly felt there was, like, five or six points in this comic book where we should have been high-fiving. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's that good, man, freaking. Yeah, we start out, we got the Suicide Squad just kind of debating their next scheme because, you know, Amanda Waller's taking over Earth-3, Earth-3, I think, actually. I think it was Earth-3, but they took over the one with the uh, crime syndicate in charge. And so now the Suicide Squad is without Amanda Waller, and without Amanda Waller, they're without their government funding. So the Suicide Squad is they're broke. Yeah, broke. they are broke. <laughs> so Rick Flagg, in his infinite wisdom, is like, we're just going to kidnap Lex Luthor and get money from him. And the whole time, Bloodsport's over here just because they've, uh, they've gathered. Blood, the whole thing with Bloodsport is that Amanda Waller had kidnapped all of his brothers from different um, different Earths and has them all on Earth with him because she just left them when she left Earth. Don't forget she used them as human shields. She did <laughs> use them as human shields. I was like, I don't know if she did that. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so his whole thing is that they want to, uh, you know, He's like, I want to you know, get his brothers back to their homes, basically. Their homes, their families, and all that. And Flag's like, oh, we'll do it. You know, we just Let's just get through this mission first. So, first part, because this is a multifaceted plan. Oh, that's wonderful. Is they get his brother hired on as a janitor at LexCorp. And when they hire one of them, they end up inadvertently hiring them all. So his brother sneaks in all the rest of his brothers into the into LexCorp. Now, plan A, we have Match, who is the uh, clone of Bizarro, the clone of the clone of the clone of Bizarro, and Ambush Bug, trying a full frontal assault on Lex Luthor as he steps out of his limo. And just by touching his watch, Lex empower, and imprisons both of them inside this uh, bubble. <laughs> Anti-cryptic. He didn't even blink. He, like, he, he literally doesn't blink. He just pulls his glasses down and clicks the button on his watch. Anti-Kryptonian security measures activated. Pop! <laughs> like, not nothing. <laughs> that quest? Alright. <laughs> well, so plan B, they end up trying to capture him on his boat in the uh, in the middle of the ocean, this is a yacht. and it's blood sport and flag, and these Doctor Octopus style tentacles come out of the water, <laughs> out of the ship itself, and capture the both of them. Like no one's gonna know. While, <laughs> yeah, while Lex Luthor's making an international business deal, <laughs> and again, not one blink. There's this piddly little little <laughs> skateboard of a boat coming at him with two guys in, in, in paramilitary gear with huge machine guns. <laughs> like, no one's going to notice that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then we go to Part C, or Plan C, where Lex is on his own private golf course 
and Dr. Rodriguez, who uh, can turn herself into sand, uh, jumps out of the uh, out of the sand pit to capture him. And he just looks at uh, looks at his um, his caddy named Jerry, and Jerry pulls out this, va- this gigantic vacuum cleaner on his back and sucks up Dr. Rodriguez. Anti-sand vacuum activated. <laughs> Why not? Let's keep going. Yeah. So, uh, and then part in plan B, or plan D, pardon me, ambush bug and peacemaker end up trying to attack him while he's making a presentation of the latest LexCorp technology, which is this, um, this basically a, a tank, basically. It's the Elon Musk, uh, it's the, uh, Cybertruck. Yeah. It's everything yeah. you can need. It's a mobile HQ. It like it's got a huge arsenal that like can withstand whatever. Like do what you want with it. Like if we got a yep. hundred of them, you're unstoppable. <laughs> yep. And then you know he just turns it on them right then and there. Hits them with some sonic cannons, and he just talks about. It. And then he just turns around. And it's like sadly we didn't bring any lethal ordnance with us today. Hold on, before we proceed. Number one, he, the, the, the sonic guns gave him the palsy. <laughs> Look at their faces. <laughs> like, he, yeah. He, they gave him the palsy. And number two, I'm already dreading when Uncle Todd decides to make this 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 mobile ordnance tank a, a, a $100 uh, buy the whole set with the entire Suicide Squad and put together uh, Ambush Bug. And I'm like, I should probably start saving for that now. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uncle Todd needs he needs another pool. <laughs> he needs another pool. Hmm. He's a pool in his pool. But, but then we uh, we circle back around to LexCorp, and Lex passes, you know, Bloodsport's brother, a couple of times, and he notices he notices him, but he doesn't really say anything. But he walks into this back room, and all the Suicide Squad are captured. And he looks at Flag, and he's just like, what are, what are you guys even doing? And, you know, he's just like, we, we need the money. We're going to kidnap you. He just, you know, Matt you know, Waller left us and left us on a shoestring budget. And Lex is like, money? You just needed capital? And he's just like, and then he turns around, and he's like, can you guys have just asked for it? And he's just, and Flag's just like, ask you to fund the Suicide Squad. <laughs> And Lex just turns around and is like a seasoned Black Ops kill crew made up of ex-supervillains. That's actually an interesting investment. 100%. But then he just turns around and he just like looks at him. He's like, but you guys are actually kind of... But, you know, I think about it if you guys weren't a bunch of losers. And then we see him pass, uh, you know, Bloodsport's brother again. And he's like, didn't I see you earlier on floor 25? And he just looks at him and he's like, probably so. And then Calibra's um, ghost pops out because she died when they went to hell. And she ends up possessing Lex Luthor. So the next scene, we see the entire squad going up this elevator to the, the penthouse. And they're just like, I can't believe that actually worked. You know, can't believe we all got caught. We should have died. Like, we, we outsmarted Lex Luthor, the smartest guy on Earth. And they're just yucking it up while Lex, Lex doubles over and excuses himself to go to the bathroom. 
And because, of course, like I said, we had, we know Calibra is inside of him, possessing him. And you know she ends up popping out of the bathroom, and then the next thing you know, Lex comes out in his mech suit. Wait, hold on, hold on. Uh, what door do you think she exited out of? Uh, the the front door or the back door? Because they 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 show the toilet for a reason. I nah, she wasn't she wasn't freaking out nearly enough for it to be the back door. <laughs> I popped, man! Like that was hilarious. I feel like she she totally would have freaked out. So Lex in his mech suit. Mirror Master's trying to run for it, and he and he just like he just starts ragging on him for calling himself Mirror Master, and like why would somebody call himself Mirror Master unless he's a dimwit, <laughs> and and he just starts you know beating the crap out of all the Suicide Squad until they decide to pull off Plan E, which is Ambush Bug teleporting in a crap ton. Of you know duplicates of Bizarro clones, and they destroy the mech suit, and then they turn around, and all Lex can say at the end of the day, while there's a gun to his head, courtesy of Rick Flag, is okay. I'm impressed. And he turns around, and he's like, "So, uh, how much are you guys looking for?" And and Flag's just like, "I hadn't really thought of an amount, actually." <laughs> <laughs> and Luther, Luther's just dumbfounded. He's like, you guys planned on kidnapping me, and you didn't even have an amount you were looking for? <laughs> like, and then he turns around, he's like, you know, you're making me negotiate my own, uh, my own ransom, huh? Fine. How about this? And the next page, we see them celebrating with champagne on Lex's, uh, Lex's, you know, on his tank, basically. His all-purpose, movable weapon of destruction. And, and they're, here they are just like trying to, indul in, indulging in some champagne while Peacemaker drives. You know, and as they're driving away, celebrating their supposed victory, Lex is sitting in his office following them, talking about a uh, Task Force Lex. We'll see how that goes. I, I guess I gotta say right off the bat, what a great send off for like what, this has been about two years for us for Suicide Squad. Uh, a year and a half probably just for this iteration of it. Uh, you know, Suicide Squad as a whole never tends to last too long. Unfortunately, they always go back to it because it's freaking it's it's a great read. It's an, it's like I, I, I enjoy it. You know, but freaking they never tend to. Suicide Squad in and of itself never tends to last too long. I don't. I don't mind it. Like, like uh, what I was complaining about earlier about Spidey, and we'll get to that later. Um, I love it. It's the nature of the beast. Uh, keep it for a little bit. Um, I had a, a customer the other day just popping over Moon Knight, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm worried about the movie about the show." And she's like, "Why haven't you watched it yet?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm worried they're gonna do what they do with Moon Knight comics for the first six issues." Of a twelve, that's supposed to be maybe a eighteen or a twenty-four. They get the best writer and best artist to do it, and around six or maybe twelve, they get some F-list writer and artist, and it just poo-poo's it. Like all of a sudden, like they they cancel it at an odd number. Like I don't mean like a thirteen or a fifteen. Like all of a sudden, it's like issue fourteen. It's done. 
No one's no well. One's on the upside, it's only six issues. Or only six episodes. Correct. Now, so I'm worried about them poo-pooing it like they do, but with it's never that way with Suicide Squad, ever, mm-hmm. ever. Like, like, and, and these, the, 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 the Dennis Hopeless and uh, the two artists, uh, Jesus Marino and uh, oh, three of them actually, Eduardo uh, Panisca and Julio Ferreria. Um, they knocked this out of the park. What way to give a couple of guys a, a a great story? Get them get their get their beaks wet and doing like hardcore DC things. I had no problem with any of these in any of these panels. Like every every little bit had so much passion to it. And then the other thing in terms of setting up what's going to happen next, are we going to get task task force less task force less task force. Sports. Yeah. Lex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I exactly. have problems with it too now. Yeah. I'm over trying to correct you, and I'm screwing it up as well. I, exactly. Um, maybe. Who knows? It, it might happen. It might not. But the, the I kind of I kind of like the idea. I'm not gonna lie. I love it. Uh, like I, I like the idea of a, a Lex Luthor funded task force that just goes out and does things that people don't want him to do. Why not? Why not? Yeah, because I, I assume we're going to get something following Amanda Waller on Earth three, and soon it has to happen at some point. Amanda, but why couldn't Lex like why couldn't Lex Luthor still just you know be in charge of the Suicide Squad while she's gone? Hundred percent. Amanda Waller not being there is is uh, it took me a while to land on the metaphor I wanted to land on. It's mm-hmm. not it's not like Guns and Roses without Axel. It's not Nine Inch Nails without Trent Reznor. It's Genesis without Peter Gabriel. But how many people know Peter Gabriel was the original lead singer of Genesis? Because Genesis went on to do amazing stuff without them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still important. But it's still like uh, being an Amanda Waller fan is is not easy. <laughs> and 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 not. I mean, it's easy to be an Amanda Waller fan, but to describe to people why we're Amanda Waller fans, that's the difficult part. Viola Davis, like, like the the my favorite part, hands down, of Suicide Squad, the movie, was her getting the golf club to the face. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, like the like the the real scary part wasn't facing the giant alien starfish. It was those poor guys in command center, whatever, command center X. And uh, having to, uh, you know... Knowing what Wally was to do to them when she got up. Yeah. I mean, luckily, only one of them got arrested. But, like, I love the fact that it was such a loose environment. They could all bet openly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's a... Uh, that's the thing. Because, like, it, it, it makes you ask a question, too, though. Like, why are the Suicide Squad still together if they don't have the brain bombs? And Amanda Waller isn't forcing him to do it. Like, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, you know, there, there's definitely some friendships born in there. Like, Calibra and Talon have some friendship. Oh, yeah. Match and Nocturna, Nocturna are romantically involved. I love it. But, like, you know, a lot of the other characters, like, why are they still there? Like, who would want to hang out with Ambush Bug? But, like, you feel like they kind of... It's like those criminals, like... It's like people that get out of a situation, but like they're still drawn to each other because they both they all got out of that same situation. That's a that's a wonderful correlation. I mean, I'm thinking about the Peacemakers uh, show. H- yeah. How many people? And plus, 
Sorry? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, plus, I don't think any of them really have families to go home to. Like, Talon is, you know, basically a, a, a zombie, basically, a zombie assassin. Um, not Nocturna has nobody. Calibra's a ghost. Ambush Bug Pride doesn't have anybody. Bloodsport's whole thing is that his brother's dead in this reality, and the only brothers he has are ones from other Earths. And Match is a freaking, he's a clone. They're orphans. Yeah, they're all orphans, and they're all kind of stuck together under good old Papa Rick Flag. Hell, man, that's why the Muppet Babies was so much fun. It was a bunch of crazy weirdo people that no, none of them are the same uh, race, let alone species. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I can't believe we just pulled the Muppet Babies out. Of that. Um, we, we go to the, the the Peacemaker show. If if they had described vigilante to us and only shown vigilante scenes like oh this is gonna suck (laughs) yeah this this is gonna suck um but who's you said who's gonna put up with um ambush ambush bug peacemaker (laughs) like 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 if if, like the only thing that was missing was a a, a five minute time where we could have seen peacemaker like nail it out in the karaoke bar in the war for earth three like like the 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 weird karaoke bar that would have been great like james gunn would have been all over what songs were playing in that we would have been downloading that immediately yeah choir boy for life baby (laughs) i hope it's still it's still panther definitely still panther ah yeah no we're, we're we're both right let's just say we're both right I'm a little more right, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what, what do you got? No, you know, um, I want to talk about, let's, um, ooh, are we switching the, are we opening different gates here? Let's do Batman. Let me take point on Batman 123. All right. Now, I love how Deathstroke heavy this is. Um... I really hope that they don't, in some way, cancel the Joe Magniello um, Deathstroke movie because uh, the teaser for that, no matter how much I hate Jesse Eisenberg, mm-hmm. I, I, there's just something about his face I just don't like. I mean, it's not that his acting is bad. There's something about him. Um, th- th- this poor guy getting pulled into interrogation. Hey, your lawyer's here, but it's actually a uh, number one. Uh, one of those things that you just have to be reading the right ones at the right time. Uh, not so much as a gripe the way where I was talking about earlier before we started recording about how all of a sudden uh, Harley Quinn got pulled in the uh, war for, for three. Like there was no book where they got her uh, that mm-hmm. said you should follow it, but you're following enough bat books. You know that Batman and Damien are back together. Um, yep. He he's not he hasn't really said he's Robin, but he's got the R, but he's got the D on the belt. And uh, the 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 silence the silence. Yeah, I'm not you know you know you cheated last time. Guard guard. I'm not telling you anything. And may I interrogate him after you? Bats turns his back, and I ain't afraid of no punk kid. What are you gonna do? And we just like just see bats just watching his boy making him proud. Ah! <laughs> he like. <laughs> You know, he didn't even touch you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we find out, like, uh, we've got a lot more to think about here. Um, we've got Ghostmaker. Now, this this is a, this is a, it's not a plot hole. 
it's something that is really chafing me and bothering me is that Ghostmaker showed up in Gotham to end the bat. And there wasn't too much of a scuffle or a let's down and have let's sit down and have a beer at the very least or at the very most like we you know uh, a rooftop battle and so much collateral damage and they both just can't beat each other and they have a a, a, a truce because they there's no other choice we just can't beat each other that never happened. Yeah, they talked it out like grown men. Talked it out like adults. They talked it out a little bit, but not enough for Ghostmaker to make a worldwide trip to end the bat and be like, yeah, okay, I'll help out in Fear State. Yeah, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be part of Batman Incorporated where you're leading it. Uh, I, 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 I still don't trust him. Okay. I, I still don't trust him. They're playing babysitter to Death Deathstroke Inc. here. Uh, we've got a dinosaur in the room here, which is funny. Uh, but um, when, when it comes down to um, the habits of Deathstroke that they're that they're following, and Damien is taking point on this. This is what I loved about this was Bat. Because remember, remember the whole point of the division was the fact that Damien was always second fiddle, and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that you're Robin, you sh- you should know your role. Actually, it was that. Um, what I'm trying to say is that's what he was trying to break against. And uh, he's proven himself, I, I think, to me, and, and to, I hope to you at least, within the pages of Robin, he's got the mustard. Gotcha. He, he's got what it takes, but he isn't quite there yet, but he still has ideas that need to be listened to. We need to, we need to go do exactly what what he would never think he would do, return to the scene of the crime. And uh, we, we, you know, Robin is still mulling over the idea. Uh, what's uh, what's his clone brother's name again? Um, oh, uh, Respawn. Respawn. He's mulling over the idea of having a brother, and you know, we we find the uh, the dude that's been making the 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 Deathstroke costumes, and he's on the brink of the edge of life, and we get this new guy. Uh, you don't know about Gamby. I don't know anything about Gamby. What do you got? Uh, Gamby, he's the, uh, he's the guy that helped Black Lightning become Black Lightning. He's the one that helped him. He was friends with his father. And he, uh, he helped, you know, helped him learn how to use his abilities properly. That's they're awesome. Actually from, they're, actually, they're actually based in Suicide Slum, which is, a, uh, which is right on the outskirts of Metropolis. Really? That's awesome, Yep. Man. I'm I'm looking at this new guy here that looks like Hobgoblin plus Medieval Knight plus you know the bandolier and sword. He's got kind of a He-Man sword going on there. I, I recognize that pattern anywhere. And uh, Respawn gets killed in the giant attack of copying the idea that Deathstroke had. What's worth the ninjas? Ninjas with guns. And he did rip him off. <laughs> uh, the artwork here is wonderful. This is a lot of chaos going on. That mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to this much fighting, this much chaos, the organization here to not clutter the page and make it a chore, masterful. I love it. There's guns blazing. There's ninjas with, with swords. I mean, there's everything here. There's cracked necks. Everything is going at breakneck speed. 
but your eye can follow, and it, it all matters. Like, like, you know my gripe about, like, I, I bring it up all the time about, like, like 15 pages of the Hulk fighting, and, like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. Uh, like, okay, obviously the Hulk's going to win, just, let's just speed through this, but that there's an importance here, and Respawn, he, uh, when this happened, man, like, this, it wasn't a splash page, but, like, Deathstroke didn't even see it coming. He had, like, one moment, minutia of time to contemplate that Respawn was going for the human shield on this. Yeah. And we've got a couple of problems here. Deathstroke just lost the most important thing in, in, in his world right now. More than himself. Not again, not again, not again. Damien, who is the literally, out of everyone other than Amanda Waller in the DC Universe, the last person I'd want to make angry... Like he will yeah. find he will find you. Like remember, like if anything, my son's probably already found him. The next scene, yeah, he's already there. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. He, like it, it's it's the, there's a lot of calculating people here, and well, there's a huge mystery: who killed Raish? Like my problem is yeah, who's the, who's the guy in the mask? Who's the guy in the mask? And then we get uh, a mini. I don't want this is, is this isn't a classic tale. This is a. Uh, a new classic tale, right? Because it doesn't say originally printed in these pages. Yep. Uh, of uh, Deathstroke getting uh, poisoned by Joker gas and his uh, military super soldier serum is able to fight Joker serum. Yeah. It, it's breakneck speeds here. And uh, the it's a great little mini story. My question to you, why is it there? What is Joker gas in any way imperative? Because, like, that was my gripe about those last stories where that kid that's in that Elseworlds tale that, you know, got shot by Azrael and broke his back and then Gotham is all feral. My big problem was, like, what does this have anything to do with what's actually going on or what might actually happen? Yeah, this I'm feeling is is a it, it's a it's a key here. This this is like the first part of a cipher. It could possibly be. It could be. It could be a story where Joker ends up killing somebody close to Deathstroke. I think it's a breadcrumb. I think it's a breadcrumb. Something leads us in the right direction because they're not just accidentally telling a Deathstroke mini story where he beat Joker gas. For fun. Yeah. But then again, at the end, it says the end. It doesn't say, you know, part one of five or whatever it would be. Did you ever watch uh, so, Law and Order or Law and Order Special Victims Unit? I catch it when it was on, yeah. There's, um, there's never any accidental uh, phrasing or accidental stray lines that don't mean anything. Like, someone will say something happy. If you're paying attention... Someone will say something haphazardly that seems innocuous, that in no way is going to affect the story, but that one line is an absolute clue about who the killer is or where this story is going to go. Like, oh, i got to go see my brother real quick. Uh, I haven't seen him in 15 years, and uh, I sure hope nothing bad happens to him. And, like, oh, why would they say that? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah that, that, that was and he's a, dead. 
Yeah, and then he's dead. Yeah, like, and that was a stupid, you know, watered down. He's dead, or he's murdered, or kidnapped, or, or or the kidnapper himself. Or like, like it's it's always a clue, and I'm feeling this on this, especially. Um, well, I mean, they got Jason jumping in, like you know, like hey, signals off. What? What is that? Jason or is that uh, is that Dick? Uh, it depends on the year. I don't know. He's got the scales. I would assume it's Robin, or assume it's a uh, Dick Grayson, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, that's what I got on that one, man. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, but it was definitely like uh, I love with comics that with certain issues you don't have to wait eight months for it. Like this was a good, yeah. cl- good cliffhanger ish issue. We're still getting used to a new girlfriend. That or or no, not a new girlfriend. Like after Tinian, we just lost the love of our life, and our father just told us we're in a arranged marriage, and we gotta get used to this. And um, I think that might be a bit harsh. But <laughs> <laughs> like but we love Tinian, and all of a sudden, like her dad's like, "No, this is your new wife," and we're like, "Well, it's not like we're not gonna read Batman." <laughs> yeah, yeah, not wrong. This is going to be really bad for us to walk away, that's for sure. That's for sure, man. That's for sure. Like, we're. Man, if something. God, if something happened where we stop reading Batman. It'd be cataclysmic. It'd be cataclysmic. That'd be the end of the world. The only reason I can think of you and I ever stop reading Batman is if there was the end of the world and some DC. Everybody was zombies. Everyone was zombies. And And speaking of zombies. Segway. Zombie Segway. Let's do it. We got a Task Force Z, number seven. Love it. I love the classic style, the 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 black with the heads. Like we've seen it in wrestling posters, we've seen it in multiple old school comics. That I'm just surprised there's not a who's gonna die in this <laughs> on the cut. Well, it basically does actually. It says who's joining the team, and you're gonna die to join <laughs> the team. So yeah, they said it without saying it. Perfect. So yeah, we so we start out with uh, Jason Todd having this horrible fever dream due to the fact that he's you know had the resin, and he wakes up and the twins are the twin doctors are over here talking to him the two clones, and but they tell him that the team's ready and then he turns around and he's like oh how are they looking, and all they can say is they look great, and we see zombified Mister Freeze zombified KG Beast. Uh, we've got Two-Face leading him and zombified Bane. And as he walks in, he sees zombified Bane's uh, hand falling off. Yeah, it looks like he's basically popping his arm back into place, too. Yeah. And the whole thing is now, they much like our, our compatriots in Task Force X, they are now out of money, and they've got about a week's worth of resin left before everybody who's zombified just kicks the bucket again. Yeah, we we only got so much time, and it's I love the setup. You know, like, hey Tony, before we leave, make sure that this week's worth of serum. Is totally protected and nothing happens to it because if anything happens to it, we're totally effed. Can you agree that this will be safe? 
Sure, sure, sure. We got it. We got it. But yeah, no, they uh, they said that they need to get more members so that they can try to get more resin from uh, the people that initially made the resin. So they send the team out to get uh, more members. So KG Beast ends up killing Copperhead and just shooting him. Well, Mr. Freeze ends up taking... I'm not sure what her name is from the victim syndicate, Madam Crow. And he freezes her while she's having dinner with her compatriots in the victim syndicate. And then as he's walking away, just stone cold, tells him, you know, we'll be, we'll, they'll be, the truck will be back for her soon. I suggest you hide. Oh, yeah. You know, and then we end up turning around and Bane ends up befriending Solomon Grundy. Because, you know, he's already a zombie anyway, so at least it's one less person for, that needs resin. We all gotta kill him. Let me just say, hey, man, I'm, I'm just trying to be your friend. Like, we're pals. <laughs> friends? Yeah, he just wanted to let him know he wasn't alone. Which is, you know, again, going towards the uh, the brilliance of Bane. That without barely having to use a punch, he's able to get Solomon Grundy on their side. Now, one of the things I love the most about Task Force Z, and I really need you to understand this, is their windowless van. No. <laughs> I've been waiting all week. <laughs> should I really should have saw that coming early. I don't know why I didn't. They've got a window. Like they, they, it's the it's the Task Force Z mobile man. Like like you ever gonna like we ever thought we'd see Harvey Two Face Dent driving a windowless mystery mobile? <laughs> I can honestly say I never thought it this day would come. <laughs> I'm not happy of it about it. I'm not proud of it. And then we but get, I never thought this day would come. It's pretty bad, but it, I'll add that to my argument. When eventually we, you know, we we strike a, a lot of money, and I pull up in the eighteen van. You're not going to say no to that. But what I am going to say no to is a baby with man bats head. <laughs> I had to step away from the comic book. Like, what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, that is something, di- something different. <laughs> and I've had Mister Bloom's over here telling him tickle, tickle, tickle. And we've got uh, Jerry, who's in charge of this uh, section of Powers Industries, uh, telling him to get back to work. Well, you realize, hold on, hold on, you realize that that baby is half Bloom, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like like that little, like like I said earlier, like there's no missing uh, morsel of dialogue here. Like, what does he say? Uh, Uh... What's that specific phrase here? If Dr. Lansom here had taught us anything, it's that there is no shame in being your own lab rat. There's some extra gravitas there. Yeah. But he turned around talking about how there's a problem. Somebody comes in telling him there's a problem downstairs. And then we turn around and we see Jason Todd in a junkyard. And he is hunting down Victor's ass. One of my favorites. By the way, thank you again. I'll always thank you. All every time. Of course. Anytime. But yeah, they end up having this uh, fight. Trying to you know, 
Zaz talked about how he, you know, you might be stronger, but I'm faster. And you know, Jason's just like, it doesn't matter who's stronger or faster. It just depends on who's uh, smarter. As he tips over this car that Zaz is standing on, that turns around and lands on his legs. And then we turn around and the twins are back in the lab with Mr. Freeze. And they're talking about how uh, Madame Crow will be ready in a few hours to uh, to utilize the resin to bring her back. And the twins end up letting Freeze know that they've got just enough resin to bring one person back from the dead completely. And one of the twins looks the other one telling her to stop talking, and she just responds, I know. Smile. A smile on his face. Yep, we all know what's going on from there. But before we get to the end, Two-Face is talking with Jerry Powers about how he is going, if she doesn't give him what he wants, he is going to turn around and unleash his army of the undead upon this entire building and see how many of her uh, employees they're going to snack on before they get, uh, before he just takes what he wants anyway. And Jerry's like, you know, why don't I just turn you in? And he's like, you can, but I'm sure they want to hear both sides of this story because a supervillain and a CEO, pretty much the same thing this day and age. Oh, yeah, 100%. And he ends up walking away from her, and she tells her men to let him go. You know, Two-Face you know, tried diplomacy, and it didn't work. And he turns around, and as he gets back to uh, Task Force C's hideout, he sees that they've gotten everybody they wanted. But unfortunately, there's one problem. Because now all the resin's gone. Mr. Freeze took it and has used it. And you know, they got robbed again. And we're, we're screwed again. And Two-Face, as one does in a situation like this, freaks out. Because he just told this insanely powerful woman that he was going to bring this army down upon her in 24 hours. And he's just like, what, what are we going to do? I can't, how am I going to send this army after him? Okay, and one of the twins, it. yeah, one of the twins is like, we could always load up a catapult and throw them and shoot their bodies at them. <laughs> and the other one chimes in. So unless one of you guys stole some resin and stashed it somewhere, that'd be a, would be a great time to let us know about that. And we just see Jason just, Angrily thinking to himself, well, I know a guy that's got some, but he's not going to want to give it to us. Oh, no. And the next next issue of Task Force Z is entitled Let's Rob Batman. I love that they use the old, the old, the old uh, bat logo. Mm-hmm. The old bat logo. He's got a couple of paperweights. Number one thing that sticks out of my head was uh, last time we saw his ass, uh, he his leg was trapped under a uh, car. He wasn't dead. <laughs> yeah, they made sure to do that. Apparently, they pulled the plug on that. Yeah, they they uh, they, they, they poo pooed the scene where old, uh, Red Hood, you know, did the job. Uh, yeah. What happened to Bane? Like, did <laughs> Bane very well could have just run out of resin? Yeah, that, that's that's correct. Uh, the other thing here is is uh, I'm reminded of a meme I saw a while ago of uh, a guy in a cut suit versus a guy wearing a suit that we see Harvey here wearing. The guy in the cut suit, like guy ready for his uh, his nine to five, 
guy wearing that suit is ready for his court appointment. And it just it just stuck out to me like the like there's a lot of bagginess in in, in the suit here. It, it, that's not yep. Harvey. Uh, it's it, there's a lot of little things here going on. And um, yeah, let's rob Batman. I, I hope they catch a break and they break into the bat. They get in the bat cave, you know, because you know Red Hood can. And um, you know, Bats is busy taking care of uh, stuff with uh, Damien and uh... <laughs> wow. Let them catch a quick break, like just one little break before they get in the stuff, you know? Yeah. Just don't let them know you're going to bring Bane back. Yeah, and we still don't know that mystery. Like, Yeah. I mean, you bring you can't bring Bane back. You can't tell them you're bringing Bane back. You can't tell them you're bringing KG Beast back. No. Just just omit that little bit. Oh, we're just uh, we're just bringing back Copperhead. Yeah, no problem there. Don't nobody care about Copperhead. Nobody cares about Zazz. You bring Zaz back, Batman's just gonna go punch him in the face one time and he'll be done. Yeah, you bring Zaz back and the like entirety of Gotham Wayne funded orphanage is gonna be dead along with all the nuns running the place. Like one I probably, time. probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I'm busy you can get away with that one. Batman can find him. Batman Batman's pissed at Bane. He's mad at freaking KG Beast for shooting Robin in the head. Oh yeah. If nothing else, fine. Where, we, where's Deadshot? Bring back Deadshot again. Yeah, we need Deadshot. Uh, Deadshot it, was fun. Find find his head. You can grow the rest of him in a petri dish. It's been long enough. He's been gone long enough. Like let's uh, like maybe there's uh, some Lazarus uh, resin chilling in the uh, Lex the Lex Corp Suicide Squad mobile that hasn't been experimented on yet. Like let's have some fun. Maybe we could try, we could try it. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I do want to do Spider-Man number one. This all right. one... Alright, I, I feel tricked. Okay. Alright, let me pull this up here. Spider-Man number one. First off, first thing that's going to stand out to any web heads out there, we got Junior Junior back. Probably the best of the best. The only person I think... The uh, Macho Man to uh, to Hogan, that is Uncle Todd, the Todd father, in terms of uh, Spidey artist. You see Junior Junior doing the cover. We're about to have some fun. Open the cover outside York, Pennsylvania, in a giant crater. We see Peter Parker suit all destroyed he's holding a weird spider tracer in his hand that's bigger more like a turtle con and he just starts screaming and then we get to a black screen six months later everyone is mad at him after the last story everything was fine he like the only thing that was wrong was that ben riley like you know got some of his memory back realized that he's not really the real peter parker no matter what you say or what spin you put on it and that's really the biggest problem, but him and MJ are together, they're moving in together, and then all of a sudden everyone's mad at him. Uh, there's debt collectors hanging outside of uh, Parker's apartment that he hasn't been to in a while, and um, his roommate's mad at him, uh, about to ask Tombstone's, da- Tombstone's daughter to marry him. And uh, We've got a little bit of a caper here. Tombstone is, you know, he's... We're, we're, we're dealing with the fallout from everything that happened in Daredevil and a uh, little bit... Are we being, talking Devil's Reign? 
Yeah, Devil's Reign. Actually, more like uh, before Devil's Reign, uh, like you know, giant fallout from that huge knockdown blowout in in Hell's Kitchen. You know, like there's a there's a big big hole in terms of crime. There's a peaceful state here, and then of course Tombstone obviously wants to take over, and he does reference uh, old Kingpin Junior. Um. It, it's, good old Butch. Yeah, good old Butch. I mean, but like even then, like we're we're the the whole thing is the fact that it's another, and this really chaps me, man, because I, I I don't think we need this anymore. We don't need any more of Parker being down and out, trying to win MJ over again because he's calling her again, and hi MJ, and and she's hiding in in a room, obviously hoping someone isn't listening. You've got to stop this. MG, please, I'm not trying to. Don't call me again. I'm talking last issue. They're back together. Everything's fine. And um, someone tries to kill uh, Tombstone. Place blows up. He makes it out alive. The one thing he's really chafed at is the fact that they almost hurt his cat. The one oh, you don't mess with a man's cat. Yeah, you don't mess with a man's cat. Nope. And uh, Tombstone... Picks up Parker on the side of the street, says, "Yo, your friend's a spidey. Tell him he started this. This is all his fault. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fix him." And then um, we see MJ in her uh, New York apartment, looking down. She's got a new boyfriend, and um, this new guy I have never seen in my life, um, named Paul, opens the door. Paul's another. He's another Spider-Man clone. Probably. Um, he's got a mustache. That's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> he's he's got a mustache and a goatee. He's got and a, and a pair of glasses, and like you know, uh, he opens the door and MJ, you okay? Yeah, Paul, I'm good. And, well, you're gonna need to be better than good because I can't hold them off longer. And he opens the door and mommy, two a little redhead kid, little redhead girl, and a kid that looks pretty much like Parker running the kiddos and come here and there. Everything's great and like what happened there. Like okay, six months later, like like there's a giant crater. I mean, what like what stupid deal with Mephisto happened? Like like don't do this to me, man. Like like you, like you, my problem here is the amount of trust that they are expecting us to have for something so extravagantly drastic of a change. From what we were doing when I was complaining the entire past six months about how much I hated that whole Ben Riley story, and we got a nice you know bow tie at the end, other than that we're getting another Spider Man, and that's a little bit different. And then we get to this new guy that has Doctor Otto Octavius uh, in a circle of like pretty much like a, like a stretcher, but in a circle holding all his arms back and. Just torturing him. Really. So we got a new guy coming up. Okay, whatever. Um, I don't think that they. I guess it's Colin talking through me right now. They still haven't established enough trust in me since the Clone Saga for me to accept this drastic amount of change. So fast, so quick. Even with Junior Junior doing it, like I, I, I don't appreciate it. Yeah. No, I got you. I think it's one of those things like uh, you were talking earlier about killing time, where like you got to give it a couple months and see where the story goes and see if it all makes sense. Like they might have a very valid reason for it. 
It might not. Might but, you know, it might take an issue or two to really kind of see where they're going with it and see why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, Junior Junior's never wasted a page on me, but this is a this is a big stretch, guys. This is this is like uh, this is like your girlfriend saying, "Hey, I need you." Like like girlfriend eight years, you're engaged, everything's about to happen, and she's like, "Yo, I gotta go on a secret mission with my ex boyfriend, and I need you to trust me, and I'll be back in two weeks." They're like, wait, what, what's going on? Can't tell you. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be weird. Yeah, yeah, like, can't tell you, need you to trust me, no questions asked. We've had a lot of problems in the past. Yeah, that's that's why I feel right now. Like, Girl, are you in the CIA? Yeah, like, are you guys going to be staying in separate rooms? No, the CIA is only making it, we're, 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 They've only got enough budget for one room. One room, yeah. You, you, no, that that's not cool. <laughs> no double, no double beds, no nothing. No double beds. They give you a sleeping bag. No, no sleeping bag. Yeah, I, I just don't trust it, and it's uh, and just real quick, Carnage number two came out. Carnage is basically stacking the deck in terms of superpowers right now. It's not Cletus. It's the evil that has been imprinted onto the Carnage symbiote from Cletus, running buck wild with no human host. Mm, Interesting. He is influencing a serial killer he's found, trying to inspire him. But while he's doing this in the first issue, breaks into like this crazy Supermax-style prison, kills Hydro Man, steals his powers of Hydroism, and... This issue ends with him sneaking up on the spot. You know who the spot is? Oh, yeah. I've got, like, a second appearance. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's going to have the ability to teleport <laughs> through uh, some old Acme black holes, which I always thought what, what the spot was, right? The spot's just a, a guy in a white leotard with a bunch of Acme black holes he throws, right? Yeah, pretty and much. Now Carnage is about to have that power, so he's beefing up his powers. Cletus is gone, but it's not the res- it's not the residue of of Cletus that is uh, like like a little bit of his of his memory that is empowering the symbiote. No, it's just the the the, the symbiote basically read his book and subscribed to his uh, newsletter and once Aww. and once more. That, and, and it's it, the artwork is phenomenal. Uh, there's a really good detective story going on with it. It's it's worth every penny. But uh, yeah, we got one more before the uh, gold wrap served bef- by the. Uh... Yeah, let's uh, take a quick break, guys. Cool. Guys, we're back from a quick break, see, but we're going. Straight into the pages. Flashpoint Beyond, Mr. Uh, Tony Morales. You take point on this one, man. Alrighty, so let me see here. From uh, Flashpoint Zero, we found out that uh, Bruce Wayne, or Thomas Wayne, pardon me, had gone out of his way to find Barry Allen to fix the situation because there's been tiny changes throughout the world. And he tried to... Um, 
redo the experiment that gave Barry Allen his powers of the Flash, mm-hmm. as they did in the pages of the original Flashpoint. But as they were doing that, um, somebody shot the chemicals, and then the lightning struck, and this world's Barry Allen was electrocuted to death. And it was uh, somebody hired by Aquaman, or so we believe. And on top of that, um, they also assassinated Harvey Dent, but left his uh, his young child, who Bruce has taken under his wing. But unlike uh, unlike or unlike the Bruce Wayne of our reality, Thomas Wayne has no idea how to be a father, nor any real desire. It seems like no want to be. No. So as we're uh, opening up on the news. Uh, Thomas, or and this young boy, his new ward, if you will, are sitting there quietly eating dinner. Not a word spoken between them. Until Oswald Cobblepot rushes into the room to have a meeting with his boss. You know, uh, hold they're on. going off about how things are going awry at the uh, casino. And Thomas says he has to leave. And he leaves young Dexter Dent in the care of Oswald. We've got the problem. And after moving in. Hold on, I just noticed something. We got the problem, and we mentioned a minute ago uh, off camera, was that the the clock is broken. It's 11 minutes off time here. Now we've got the problem where we were friends with uh, Watchmen. But moving... Moving physically, moving the, the the clock hand, you know, open the the secret compartment to get to the the bag cave. The sound made the tick is one hundred percent the exact color of Doctor Manhattan. Oh, completely, yeah. One hundred percent here, and I'm like because before we actually we came back for the break, you and I spent twenty minutes scouring, feeling like kind of punks not figuring out who someone is at the end and like like it's like at the tip of the tongue but like was it the tip of the tongue or is it like an elseworld tip of the tongue and i'm like i'm like uh my i gave my watchman uh graphic novel away to a friend because they'd never read it before and i can't go grab it i feel like that i feel like that is a watchman reference now and while you while, while you're going on i just needed to point out the color yeah, no, I definitely think it's more of a uh, a Golden Age reference than a Watchmen reference, but it definitely could be wrong about that. But yeah, he goes in, tells him he's going fishing. He tells Oswald to watch the boy. And Oswald, having less than a, a stellar childhood, not knowing what to do with a small child, asking him what he wants to do. And the, the Dexter Dent responds with, I want to learn how to shoot a gun. And they take this momentary pause, and Oswald just looks at him and kind of smiles a little bit, chuckling to himself, what kind? And we see a, a transformation from Thomas Wayne to Batman. And we look over over his shoulder at one point, and we see that uh, the Green Arrow is deceased. That bummed me out. Apparently he was mauled by Freedom Beast, claiming Queen murdered his own daughters and the Beast lover. Dude, dude, check it out. That's Amber Heard. 
I can see it. <laughs> That's 100% Amber Heard. <laughs> yeah, but we, uh, it seems that Batman is going to go hunting for Aquaman. So as we turn the page, we see uh, the destruction of um, of England, basically. Yeah, the- and we see Aquaman's uh, Aquaman's people from Atlantis just overrun it. I've been to all those places, by the way. Those are the Dover Cliffs. That's, awesome. Uh, that's Big Ben. That's uh, Buckingham Palace. Those places are gnarly, man. Yeah, and we talk, and they talk about how the fate of Wonder Woman is still a mystery. And then we find her held captive by her own lasso of truth, uh, bound to a pole in the water. And they're talking about how they're going to drown her. And she ends up ripping off a tentacle from one of the uh, Aquaman's people. And that just pisses them off. And as they're about to do some unthinkable harm to Wonder Woman... Batman in full scuba gear comes out of the water and blows the brains off out of both of these two uh two Atlanteans. Oof. Beautiful. And we see a, 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 a an exchange of words between Wonder Woman and Batman. Tell uh, he tell, he talks about how the uh he knows that the lasso is the one thing keeping her tied to that pole, and but he needs. He needs information from Aquaman, so he's going to ask to borrow the lasso. And she just says, like, what do I get in exchange? And he's just like, you get to live. You know, it might be, you know, you might have enough time to free some of your sisters before the island sinks into the sea. And then she just kind of laughs at him, and then what? Return to Themyscira, retreat, forget this war. And he's like, no. And that's kind of the big difference between the two Batman. He's like, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Okay. You know, whatever happens to the rest of the world doesn't matter to me. And he's like, do we have a deal? And the next thing we do, we turn around and we're in Aquaman's uh, throne room, for lack of a better term, in England. And next thing you know, he's sitting upon his throne and there's the lasso wrapped around his neck as Batman's boot is against the chair and he's strangling him. And he's trying to figure out, you know, he's asking Aquaman why he sent an assassin to kill Barry Allen. You know, why, you know, who, who, who did it? And Aquaman's like, you know, why? And then he's, you know, he just gets pissed and he's like, peasant, and he grabs the, the lasso and throws Batman over his shoulder. And then he tells you know, he's just like, you know, who sent, who, who sent him, you know, who did you send? You know, and he, you know, Aquaman just kind of looks at him after they scuffle a bit. He's like, you think you're the first one to try and stop me to save the world? He's like, I am saving the world. And then Aquaman just like, you're, you're the fool. He realizes the, the rope that was tied around his neck. And he's like, you're the fool that released Wonder Woman. And she's going to burn this world to the ground. She's out there already planning, you know, planning to planning to continue to wage war. And he's like, you know, if she can do what she wants, her and her Amazons will die on this island. You know, it sinks as soon as I touch the trident. And then he looks around and he's just like, where's my trident? 
Where did I leave my unstoppable weapon of uh, destruction? Of destruction, yeah. And the next thing you know, Wonder Woman's behind him, ramming it through his uh, through his midsection. And she's just like, you know, your reign's over, and you know, so is that of man. And she's like, you know, she looks down at him, and she's just like, I loved you. And he's just like, I loved my, you know, I loved Mira, my wife. And he's like, you killed my only queen, and then he, you know, he dies right then and there. And she tells, she turns to Batman. It's like our deal's done. You know, unless you want to stop me, and he said, and she just looks at her. He's like, I, he actually doesn't even look at her. He's just like, no, I've got my, I've got what I came for. I got my answers. Oh yeah. And she, you know, Wonder Woman, still full of bravado, is just like, you know, tell the world I'm coming for them. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters here. I love as he walks off with this orb. I love that she killed Aquaman right at the strike of midnight. Right, oh yeah, huh. right at the strike of the gong, and like the the desperation here. The, there's a certain desperation in a man that's lost everything. Like, there's no his plight here. Like cleaning up Gotham. Does he really care about cleaning up Gotham? He can kill as many bad guys as he wants, but none of it's gonna bring his his son and his wife back. Even. No. It, like, 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 what is his end game here? <laughs> because well, I think I think that's the thing. I think it's this whole thing is he wants to, he wants out of this mess, and this is the way to get out. He can't get his wife and his kid back in this reality, so he's trying to do what he can to get out. He doesn't he doesn't care about this world at all. That's why he's leaving. You know, Wonder Woman could easily kill him. He doesn't care. He just. You know, she he just left her there with the dead body of her former lover. You know, this 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 whole war doesn't mean anything to Batman. He doesn't care. No, but he's got an end game. Uh, and we don't know what he'll be. Yeah. But he goes home hearing gunfires. Oswald's over here letting this small child shoot a gun in Wayne Manor, and apparently he's a really crap shot. The, the like the, the the cool calmness is something that really really kind of disjointed me like y- you walk in whether it's your eight billion dollar mansion or your six hundred dollar five hundred square foot apartment if guns are going off um, he just walks you in cool, yeah he walks in cool as ice <laughs> like does he know? Is he looking at surveillance footage here? He he asks questions like the like the questions a guy that doesn't know what's going on. Even if he has the power to surveil every little bit's going on, did did Oswald put him to sleep at night and make sure he was there before eleven o'clock and didn't eat ice cream before ten? Uh, no, guns are going off and he walks in like nothing's nothing's the matter. He's in perfect Armani suit, perfectly coiffed hair. Um, not even worried about this this casino. Yeah. What, what what alarms went off in your head when there's a casino heist? After we, it's known that Batman's gone. Owner of casino that's run the place is at his house. Uh, even if Oswald is part of it, 
and, and orchestrated it for whatever reason to do some sort of coup or steal some money. He still doesn't care. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He doesn't care about this whole world. Like he's well, he, he could have easily like gone after Wonder Woman and tried to end her. And blah, blah. he had her tied to a pole with her own lasso. She wasn't going anywhere. He he chose to let her out. You know, he doesn't he doesn't care about this whole world. The guy wants his wife and his kid back. That's it. That's it. That's all he meant. At the end of the day, he want that's all he wants. You know. A kid shooting under his house. He's just like Oswald, a word. You know, he's just like, you know, we'll check the security cameras as far as the hotel, the, the casino goes. And he's just like, you know, Oswald's like they were disabled, but there's got to be evidence you can find. A lot of, you know, we lost a lot of good people. You know, we're going to make them pay, right? And he's just like, and he just responds, don't I always? And, uh, you know, Oswald get scared, you know, he's just like, you know, maybe I should just get back to the kid, you know, and teaching him how to use a gun was wrong, and then, he, you know, Thomas Wayne just disappears. Did he shoot the ceiling, or was the kid shooting at the penguin? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was just, no, I'm pretty sure he would have hit something eventually, so I'm pretty sure it was just shooting at the ceiling. Statistically, the kid would have gotten something right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now we go back to uh, we're back in you know regular Earth, and we got Bruce and we got uh, Barry Allen Flash here. You know, this is right around the time the Button storyline was hitting. I think Batman twenty three and twenty four, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, and they're just kind of having a little conversation, talking about how something feels off. And Barry's just like, you know, I think Thon's back. You know, tried to tap into the speed, sport, uh, speed force again and it spit him out. And he's like, I tracked him here. You know, I'm not really sure what that means, but he should be here somewhere and he looks for him and can't find him. You know, he's like, I'm going to, you know, Jay Garrick's going to meet him. I'm going to I'm gonna call the League. He's going to call the Justice Society. You know, something's disrupting time. And see, you know, everything being off by 11 minutes. You know, we don't know how, but we're going to figure it out, you know. And then we hear a voice off panel talking about how the flashes will find what's uh, find out what you're doing. You know that, you know, I might not be able to stop you, but they will. You know, and it's uh, not until it's too late to, or it's not too late to undo it all. And it's uh, this little, this little space ranger kid, you know, but he's got a, little drummer boy here he's got a drum and a slingshot and a coonskin cap and little red booties but he's got the spacesuit yeah but he's got a spacesuit so we're not you know this is who we're looking for I'm not quite sure who he is as of yet I've got my thought process that he might be a golden age somebody that you know, we don't know about you were talking about possibly being from the Watchmen universe but we see a we see the snow globe and we see this uh, wristwatch that's ticking, and it's in the same color like you were talking about earlier, about doc- the same color as Dr. Manhattan. And then the last thing they focus on are uh, Bruce's focused gl- uh, stare, and he just says, yes, it is. Man, it's, it's driving me crazy, man. Like, uh, I, I, like I got to say, like, I'm so glad, like, I wanted to go into research on it, 
but like I was at work when I finished this comic and then mm -hmm. when we came back we're about to talk about it you were already like 100% like who is this kid and I'm like oh dude we gotta do this and we went to every website we googled every random thing Coonskin Cap Watchmen I, I think obviously there's some Dr. Manhattan stuff going on here and like but at the same time I don't think this is I don't think this is our Bruce and and if and if I was reversing things if I was going to propose a story flashpoint part two to you I would I would immediately reference the uh, the Justice League Dark uh, episode we watched where um, where you remember Flash was trapped uh, on Apocalypse and on, on, on the treadmill and he'd been running for so long like like I'm thinking Reverse Flash has been trapped. Someone is, someone has done something with Reverse Flash. He's been in the Bat Cave, and there's no record of it, which makes no sense. Um, I'm not like Jeff Johns is masterful when he wants to be. And let me let, let me rephrase that. Jeff Johns is masterful when he doesn't have too many jerks cooks in the kitchen telling him what to do. Uh, I'm I'm harking back to you know, Flashpoint, Brightest Day, his epic run on Green Lantern and Flash. I mean, like it's just. But here, I think, I think we're I think he's off his leash, and I hope this isn't gonna be a six parter that we're gonna get. Like, how long did it take for Doomsday Clock to finish? Almost two years. Yeah. Almost two years. Um. I want a good story, but at the same time, though, um, I don't think that's Bruce. I think that kid has something to do with, with Watchmen. There's too many hints to Dr. Manhattan, and I don't know. What, 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 are your, what, what, what breadcrumbs did you find? Well, at the end of Flashpoint, the whole thing was that uh, Bruce ended up getting that letter from his dad through Barry. Right. So I think this whole thing is going to revolve around Bruce trying to get to his father. Oh, that's awesome. So I think that's because we didn't see, you know, Thomas Wayne came back substantially later on in the Batman series because he was working for Bane. Technically, this story seems like it would be before Bruce found out his father was in this reality. So this could either be where his father gets to this reality or Bruce goes to Flashpoint to find his dad. He's got the means. So, I mean, both both sides are trying to get to the same. They're trying to get to each other anyway. But it's just going to be who crosses paths first. Because there's definitely going to be more than one way to, uh, to time travel in the DC universe. 100%. More than one way to cross dimensions. Right. So, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, I'm uh, like where I was super cynical and ready to be disappointed, uh, which is why I brought up Spidey before we did this. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful on this one. Um, Jeff Johns, as a writer, is a whole other story uh, other than Junior Junior doing the art. That's different. Mm -hmm. That's different. Yeah. Um. The fact that it's got us on a hair like this, on a tear, mm -hmm. where, where we're like, I mean, there's been times where we 
kind of knew what was going on and we didn't do too much research because we had a better grip on where the story was going rather than being Billy B.A., you know, we know everything about this. But this kid in the coon skin hat really set a fire under me, man. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting. It's definitely, it's, um, because I'm sure somebody is going to know who he is right now. And if you do, please let us know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, like, it's on the tip of my tongue that I'm going to be like, oh, it's this guy from this, like, I keep thinking it might be, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think of like I think it was Adam Adam Strange maybe. Uh, that's, Not sure. That's Marvel. Um, it's Marvel. That's Marvel. Uh, they, that's, no, I'm thinking I'm more locked, but yeah. They, they, the, the thing about this kid in the coonskin hat is my next theory is um, no, he Adam Strange is Adam Strange is a DC character. All right, I'm thinking I'm more locked then. All right, so yeah. we were crossed. Um, so it, reminds, it definitely reminds me of that, but I'm not. It's not Adam Strange himself. Uh, we, the the hero worship that Night Owl had. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy everything that has to do with anything Night Owl. Uh, he, I can it, see that. It's, it's the only thing I liked out of the Before Watchmen. And I'd even subscribe to the like. I tried to like the the Rorschach story and the comedian story. Like my two favorites out of that, but I really fell on on Night Owl and the hero worship. I mean, like uh, the drum. Think Civil War kids were drummer boys. They mm-hmm. did have kid drummer boys. The slingshot. Uh, the space age, like in between. Um, from Cowboys to the Atomic Age uh, suit here. We've got the uh, booties, like you said, here. I mean, those are old-school Flash style. The coonskin hat, like, in the 50s, you couldn't be tougher as a kid than reading Davy Crocker comic books, old, you know, uh, the the Gold Key comics. And and there's a lot of, like, fanboy in this kid here. And that's where I'm landing. I'm landing on Night Owl. I'm landing, Maybe. I'm landing on Night Owl because of his hero worship for Night Owl 1. Yeah. And the ingenuity of Night Owl was never really fleshed out, but it was there. I mean, like, how can you be pals and partners with Dr. Manhattan and not have a some sort of backup plan like uh, like but at the same time we get the the tick tock and the clock and the all the clocks or what was a coast city was suddenly misplaced in time 11 minutes which is exactly the 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 amount of time that the broken clock to get to the bat cave is at there's a lot of breadcrumbs here and um Man, like, should Jeff Jones be writing mystery novels? I mean, like, if if we put if we if if we use a time travel machine and put him in in the uh, in the in the nineteenth century, he century he'd be writing some <clears throat> mystery comics and some mystery novels. I could totally see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, he, he's he's loving it. I even love the the slick back, longer hair of Bruce here. But that's another thing that like displaces me that that is actually Bruce. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could be right, but like I said, I think it's. I think the story is running right about the button era. 
And freaking, if they do that, that'd be right before Reverse Flash ends up in the Batcave and he ends up dying. So it'll be, it'll be interesting what happens if they stay true to that, if that's where this is going. Or like you said, maybe it is a completely different Bruce from a different reality. I don't know. I just, I've got hopes for it. And I, I hope, I actually, I'm not worried about them getting dashed. I, I'm more worried about them getting dashed and the Spidey was where I brought it up first. Gotcha. Jeff Jones will, uh, by the way, um, next time we're off camera with, uh, Colin, bring up Jeff Johns. <laughs> he's, he's got to do just that. He's got a funny story. I'll have to find that out then. Shoot. <laughs> he's got a funny story. Uh, scale of one to 10, uh, in terms of, uh, anticipation for next issue. I'm definitely interested. I'd say probably about 8.237. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on that with you too, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and uh, put my money on the pony you're betting on too because this was good. Yeah. The artwork so I'm interested to see what's going to happen with, uh, with the Flashpoint universe now that Aquaman's dead. And what, are they, what are the Atlanteans going to do without a leader? Are we going to see Ocean Master step up? And looking for vengeance on Wonder Woman? Are we going to see... You know, wonder what you know. Is Wonder Woman going to come out become even more ambitious? You know, we've still got, in theory, we've got Superman floating around because he escaped. We don't know where he is. So we could definitely see some of that. You know, there's there's a, a lot of interesting turns they could take with it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Let alone what's going on in the main. DC universe with uh, with Bruce and Barry in theory, if it is the main universe. I agree, man. This was this was a lot of fun. Like uh, I, I I definitely read it twice. Uh, I was worried that I was gonna miss something that you uh, might feel was gonna call us on, but I think we called every little bit about it. Um, I just I like I can't place the kid and I can't place that freaking snow globe, man. I can I get the watch, mm -hmm. like a watchmaker, watch repairman. I get it, um, but we'll see. Uh, and the last thing I want to say we mentioned off camera is uh, all those cars in the uh, lazy Susan of uh, Batmobiles are all Hot Wheels. I think I got almost all of them. Nice. Yeah, you'll you'll never you'll never catch me sleeping on a on a Hot Wheel Batmobile, ever, <laughs> ever. But uh, what do we got? What do we got left? I think we're about done for the night, man. Uh, we got Last Ronin. That's right. That's right. Last Ronin. Waiting a year and a half on this. This one. Oh, by the way. Um, uh, if you're interested, uh, the Last Ronin director's cut number one is coming came out this week. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. That way you can uh, uh, fill in your hole. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like variants. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we don't do second prints here, guys. And Mr. Uh, Chad Morales fell asleep on uh, issue one. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, I didn't fall asleep on it. I just freaking... It wasn't available when I went for it. Oh, okay. Okay, that's fine. It showed out substantially quicker than I expected. 
Okay. I'll, 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 I'll let you have that. <laughs> I'm down, Captain Variant. Uh, ah! Four. <laughs> I believe the friendly. It's a thing. Uh, she'd be so disappointed in you right now, mijo. Oh, mijito. Why you say such bad things on your podcast? It's funny because it's true. It's true. <laughs> so why don't you take point on this one, man? All right. Um, let me pull this guy up here. All right. So I got to say, first and foremost, I cried. I cried. I, 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 I sobbed, actually. Like, this was, like, I, it was an emotional day for me in general. I was having a bad day, and, like, like this one brought a lot of, like, uh, I got back to my desk at work, and my homegirl, who, uh, she's in a lot of crazy stuff, and I was like, listen, um, I've been telling you about this comic for a while, and um, it's the Shredder, and, she, and uh, I got left on, uh, she was down at her desk, and, you know, you can tell when they're out there, it's the yellow light, and... But I can tell you, it's the the Shredder's kid, literally wearing like like. Remember how the Super Shredder was as cool as it could possibly? I mean, Kevin, it was Kevin Nash, Super Shredder. He was yoked out of his mind. Yeah, like like uh, he was so yoked out of his mind, even his costume mutated with him. And um, yeah. and um, that was one of the coolest, most amazing things ever. Was the Super Shredder? Mm-hmm. And how do you make the Super Shredder even better? It says evil kid that's even more evil than him wearing the T-1000 and you can't even see his eyes. And I was like, yes. And I get a message back an hour later. She's like, I got back to my desk. I got 19 mismatches. I got to follow up and I get to yours real fast. And you're telling me about a shredder wearing a T-1000. I looked it up immediately. <laughs> I looked it up immediately. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's and uh, that's a woman that enjoys the finer things in life. She's amazing. Her name is Jill. She has cooler hair than me. Is it pink? Yeah, no, it's red. She's she she's she's from Joplin, Missouri, and she's full fledged Irish. Nice. In the hardcore stuff, and she is uh, an amazing, amazing woman. And uh, I knew I could get her attention with the shredder wearing a T one thousand, and it worked. Like there was probably people like, "Hey, we've got fires put out. I really need your help. You're my manager." And she <laughs> she reads about the shredder wearing a T one thousand. Like, yeah, there's nothing else she's gonna pay attention to. And uh, 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 taking point here, we're going. Uh, the first thing that pops in my head is we were told five issue series. Yep. We get the six, and I remember calling you. And I'm like, all right, we're getting a six. We 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 get a you know we gotta wait like what four months. <laughs> like uh, I think uh, I think the last issue came out right when we filmed uh, You're Beneath Me. Maybe. Remember our French existentialist film. <laughs> I remember it was snowing. Yeah, it was it was snowing. We filmed the French it was, lovely, it was a lovely, lovely winter's day. Yeah, lovely, lovely. We were we were busy limit pushing down at Morales Alley like we usually do. We're never telling anyone where that is. Uh, 
But uh, it just come out, and uh, we were relieved. We got you know a little bit of uh, pressure relieved that we got a little bit extra of Mikey. Uh, full fledged. You know, I was worried it was full fledged schizophrenia. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, especially when they're talking about how the mutation. There's a lot of extra bells and whistles here that. Uh, when you say bells and whistles are usually innocuous and not necessary, but like the fact that he's got a second mutation and that everyone they've been around has been poisoned by just simply being around the turtles. Yeah. Uh, April has synthesized a little bit of the mutagen uh, out of out of Casey. Hasn't told her yet. We don't know what power she has. Um, and Mikey is talking to himself and not just like someone that wishes these people are around and keeping himself accountable to their standards of of, of ninja ninja life. Uh, we start this issue and they're full fledged there in his head, like like they're they're messing with him. And then he leaves he, he leaves Splinter's diary, the 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 book of ninja knowledge, the, the cerebro, if you will, of ninjutsu by the uh wow it's just it's just impactful on me man like uh like all of splinter's knowledge is there it's all of hamato yoshi's knowledge and mikey tells his brothers to shut up and they disappear and i'm like okay this is gonna get heavy real fast and it did and uh like at that point, what, what were you thinking, man? Because um, I've been eager to hear about this for a while. No, I just was excited for it. You know, you'd already you'd read it before I got a chance to pick it up, and you were talking about how awesome it was. And like I just, you know, we've seen, you know, like I said, it kind of is kind of quite the question of whether, you know, the other turtles were real or they were a figment of Mikey's imagination. If he knew. If he if they were if he knew they were or not if he actually was, you know, kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, or if this was like a like him just kind of having self doubt and him just doubting himself and it's taking on the image of his brothers. You know, so it's definitely you know he you knew he was gonna take this last stand and you know he stopped to write down one last note in, in Shredder's book and he takes the book and he just leaves you know and then we go down and we see uh, you know Shredder's son Shredder's grandson I'm not quite sure which one he is talking about how you know did you guys find you know how can we not still can't reach Stockman because uh, all the power was out after uh, an assault by Mikey and the Rebels last issue where they confronted Stock Baxter, Baxter Stockman, and he can, you know, he can feel his his power slipping away, and he's, you know, he's he's killing guys, and he's, you know, bring me my armor, I'm gonna kill this mutant. And it's always fun to kind of think about, you know, growing up a huge X Men fan, thinking about how uh, how mutant means so much, something so different between X-Men to their form with their powers and the Ninja Turtles who had a, you know, were walking around in a mutagen and then developed, you know, powers and personalities and all that. 
off of it. So I just kind of thought that was a little bit, a uh, little fun. You know, we see a uh, young Casey running into the lair, looking for her mom and looking for Mikey, and she can't seem to find anybody. We find out that uh, April's down here trying to fix the water pumps because they had, with the power system going down, it knocked out all the power to the water pumps. And, you know, she needs her, her daughter to help her out. And, you know, they have had a moment where she freaks out knowing that, you know, she's a mutant, you know, wondering how long her mom knew and how when was her mom going to tell her. You know, and April's just like, you know, I always wanted to tell you, I just didn't know how to say how to do it. You know, and then she's just like, I'm going to, you know, I've got to do what i got to do to protect my family. You know, I'm going to go far. I'm in this fight to the end. And she storms off to find Mikey. When she put her mask on, um, uh, like they've tried to do a few different iterations of uh, mutant women uh, turtles. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, Venus de Milo, and now we've got um, why am I spacing her name right now? Uh, within the page of TMNT, um, it's working now. But when she put her mask on, like, when I was a kid, I remember playing Turtles with, with my friends on the playground. But, yeah. like, if a girl wanted to play, you know, or she, when we were playing Ghostbusters, you had to be the If you were a girl, you had to be Janine, or you had to be April. <laughs> like, and there was, yeah. there was no fun to that. And in our current climate right now, um, it was the first time I believed it. The the, the strength, the, the story, the... Uh, I hesitate to say inclusiveness because I don't feel like this story was made to be inclusive. We were just writing killer women the way women should be written, just being amazing women without yeah. without just being a, a side chick or, or you know you know what I'm saying here. Like they they added the extra gravitas. Like like the the way I'm always complaining about like uh, well Disney says we need a gay character. Why do you need a gay character? Uh, is it because you want to make money, or is it because you honestly want to include people? Yeah. And uh, real quick, the uh, the other the mutant, the Ninja Turtle with the yellow face mask is Jenica. Yeah, Jenica. Yes, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you looking that up. Uh, yep. I felt like a jerk not remembering her name because she's she's amazing, and uh, it's it's written with uh, without any sort of like hearkening to. We just want to sell some comics and appease this group of people. And no, like when she put that mask on for the first time, she had it waiting. Just, just, I got to go help my sensei. I'm mad at you at the moment, mom. I'm glad you're okay. Um, but I mean, like the, the, the other thing that's going on here was I had the hardest time not rushing through this comic book because the clock is ticking. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and we, you know, we turn the page and we just see just these foot soldiers just massacred and mutilated, level upon level upon level of the uh, of the building. We didn't even see them get killed. Like, like seeing the aftermath was just enough. Yeah. You know, and Michelangelo is just you know working his way up each each floor of this building. Just a one mutant butt whooping machine. 
you know, it gets to the top or the top floor and they've got this uh this huge knight with this broadsword and he's trying to figure out how he's gonna you know how he's gonna handle this guy and he decides he's gonna get up close and personal and ends up stabbing him in the neck. And he's probably what, what would you say, like fifty percent already? Oh yeah. I mean he fought through an entire army by himself. So we see, you know he's trying to fight, you know, he beats this giant knight and then he's gotta beat this uh this winged robot with these bat wings. And it takes that long to finally get to you know, the uh the newest incarnation of Shredder, right? You know, as it were. Is this on? And then he ends up. Then he sees this guy turn around and kill his mo- his own mother, who's in this um, this cryo chamber. Never loved her anyway. And, you want yeah. to kill something that I love? I'll kill her for you. I'm not scared of you. <laughs> and now we just see Michelangelo versus. Cyber Shredder, I guess we can call him. Tron, Cyber Tron Shredder. <laughs> and every time we were trying to find a weakness for this armor, and every time he, you know, causes it any form of damage, it's just like this liquid metal, like the T one thousand, it just kind of coats right over the uh, the injury, and dent in the armor. Self healing. Yeah. And then the uh, the top floor of this building ends up exploding, and they're fighting. Bless you. Excuse me. Thank you. They end up fighting their way down the outside of this building. Oof. All at the same time, Casey's trying to work her way up to her sensei, and he, you know, Mikey's trying to figure out what he's gonna do to cause any type of actual damage to the uh, to the armor. You know, while at the same time Casey's turning around and she decides to go after her mom because the uh, the with the sit with the pumps being down, the sewers are filling full of water. And she's you know she might have to choose between her saving her mom or saving her sensei. And she decides to go after her mom. As you should. Yeah. The complete opposite of what just happened. Yeah. Boys comes to shove. She still needs her mom. You know, my, Mikey, like I said, is over here trying, you know, trying to do what he can to take on, take on Shredder. And no matter what he does, it's just, it's just not working. He ends up knocking him out, you know, further down this building. Another fall. You know, you know, we find out that April's still trying to get these pumps to work to get the, uh, to get the water out to save everybody who's still, you know, in the sewers. And Casey goes to her and finally helps her get the water out. Just in time. Just in the nick of time. The thing that sticks out to me, first and foremost, um, 
you know that Fatal Attractions is my favorite X-Men story of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a lot of different reasons why it is, but the last time I enjoyed such action with such impudence and ac- actual, like, we have to get this done. Like, there is no we must succeed uh, was Fatal Attractions. Chuck puts on the exoskeleton. He's walking. We got to get to Asteroid M, and I have to kill my best friend. Yeah. We have to We have to destroy something, and the, the, the every little bit of the battle mattered. Taking down Exodus, uh, Colossus, uh, still walking the line. Um, like, like, every bit of the battle mattered. And to harken back what I said earlier, it wasn't that stupid Hulk... Like, where is he swinging? What just happened? Um, uh, when Mikey throws the sigh and finally finds that bit, Shredder catches it, courtesy of Raphael. I put the book down and screamed. Like, and I'm like, please do all, please do the, please do the rest. Please do the rest. Donatello sends his regards. <laughs> like the the the, the broken and, and and all of these instruments are broken. <laughs> they're they're all broken and and um um courtesy of Leonardo like kicking the the broken sigh into him like which was on the cover of of, of issue uh, two, um and then finally nailing it down. With both new chokus, like like Bruce Lee style. I mean, like that that first hit to the face. Who's hiding? Boom. Yeah, that's the thing. He starts he starts running, but he's just trying to get to familiar ground and get uh get Shredder to his level. You know, and that's where he's able to finally kind of get a little bit of control. And then you know, with April able to get the pumps running, they uh. They end up falling out into the uh, the outskirts of town, basically. That's sewage through the sewers. That's sewage. That's not. That's not dirty water. That's. They're fighting in sewage. Yeah. You know, and, and Michelangelo's injured, gravely, you know, bleeding from his stomach. Oof. You know, uh, Shredder's hurt as well. But he's still talking about, you know, you will not survive, mutant. I, will, I cannot be defeated. You know, they end up, you know, even in this raw sewage, they're still going at it. You know, Michelangelo's like, I'm going to bury you here in this mud hole with your grave, broken and alone outside the city you tried to destroy, and you'll be you'll be forgotten. You know, he's like, no, I'm a, you know, you're wrong. I'm a god. I'm immortal. And, you know, right then and there, his, uh, his suit short circuits. And they're they're both shocked. They're both shocked. And oh, next thing we see is Heroku's body, you know, face down in the mud. And Mikey's walking away, still holding his guts. And then he falls in the mud as Casey and April finally get to him because they had a tracker on him that April put on him earlier. You know. And they have a you know a heartfelt moment as Michelangelo hands her the book. 
this before we get to the book, um, the thing that stood out to me was this wasn't a who's gonna land the killing blow. This was we're both gonna land the killing blow, and the winner is the one that survives longer. We're both gonna die. That like that 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 was decided halfway through this battle, was that yeah. like we're both gonna die here. Like uh, like he's. Uh, Heroku saw, uh, and thank you for looking that up. Um, saw his his kingdom being destroyed. Can't get a hold of Baxter. You know Baxter's already gone. <laughs> like, yep. It's not, it's it's not that you can't get a hold of Baxter. Baxter's just not answering his phone. Um, yeah, Baxter don't care. He's just you know, he just wanted the power. Yeah, and th- this isn't a, the the kill and blow uh, and standing victorious over your. Your, your your foe. This yep. was who can outlast longer. And Heroku drowned in sewage and Mikey is laying there being cleansed by rain. And just like this is like like it, it, this isn't a scene where he's like laying there peacefully waiting to close his eyes for that perfect moment. Like like he's old he's in excruciating pain. And and Casey jumps out of the out of the out of the sore pipe. Sensei, and 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 please get back to the book, please, because this was like the best part. Yeah, no, we uh, you know, like I said, as he's uh, as he's lying there in the sewage, dying, he hands her the book and you know turns it to the last page, and he's like, you know, I taught you a lot, you know, this will teach you more, you know, but, you know, this is the most important lesson though. And he flips over the last page, and it just says, "No peace, K N O W peace." You know, and you know, as she holds him, and April stands over her fallen friend. You know, we see him die. He's so big. That's one thing that sticks out. He's so big. Like the turtles were never that big. And, yeah. And and. I love with with uh, April just goodbye, sweet French. You know what was happening in the new turtle van, turtle tank, turtle jeep, whatever you want to call it. And then they they disjoint it and they go to the beep beep. And what was your first thoughts when we get to this different style of art? Because remember, I've been telling you about how the turtles switch from different styles of art to tell the story better. Yeah. No, I de- it definitely worked. It was you know we saw. Michelangelo waking up, and like you're kind of wondering if this is like a fever dream or you know if this is just what the afterlife is like for them, you know. But he's still, you know, you see that the the line is still there and it's still not moving at all. And he's like, you know, you know, either like wake up, you know, you gotta keep moving, you know. Last one's out to loser, and Mikey's just happy to see his brothers. And he goes to the rooftop, and there's Casey, and there's Master Splinter, and they're just like, you know, it's kind of it smells. It's a unique smell today. And you know, we see all the turtles and Casey and Splinter there, and he's like, yeah, you know, it smells like home. And that's where the the story ends. But then they swerved yeah. us. They swerved us. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's an epilogue of uh, Casey training in the lair. A few years have probably passed. You know, she, uh, she's still looking at the book. She's, you know, still training, still learning. 
you know, and her, her mom's working on more projects, rebuilding things in the house. And we end up seeing, uh, these, uh, these four turtles in the corner and they're, they're walking around in a little, you know, got a little grassy area for them. And Casey's like, hurry up and grow already. You guys, I've got so much cool stuff to teach you. So it looks like we might be getting a, uh, maybe a new set of turtles possibly. And then it just says in the right-hand corner, to be continued. To be continued. And we got that little vial of uh, ooze pumping into uh, pumping into the little terrarium. And uh, I, I, lo- I love it, man. Like, uh, it, 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 it harkens back to uh, uh, early issues of The Walking Dead when you realize The Walking Dead aren't, aren't the zombies. It's, it's the people. And who really was the last Ronin here? Yeah. It makes you wonder, that's for sure. So what do you think, man? We waited a year and a half for this. Was it worth it? This is one of the best comics I've ever read. I've read it probably six times already. Awesome. Yeah, I, uh, the artwork is phenomenal. I I love Casey. I, I just, I, I mean, like, at, at first I thought she was just this petulant child, and, and within six issues... I'm ready to buy every action figure. Uh, ready to uh, uh, anything she's in. I like. I'm. I'm not saying she's Miracle Molly to me, uh, but uh, I, I just uh, I, I, every little bit of her. I love the fact that you can tell her and her mom have a great relationship now. After mm-hmm. after everything they've been through, there were so many different parallel dynamics that were going on throughout the entirety of this issue, and we didn't realize we're actually going on already. Um, Mikey wasn't crazy. We we didn't like a there was a when Splinter died in the issues of TMNT that have been recently been going on in in IDW. When mm-hmm. Splinter died, his wife was waiting for him. It was like when uh, Ultimate. Spider-Man died, and Uncle Ben was waiting for him. They went into the light. Yeah, that, that was satis- satisfactory, but they took it mm-hmm. a whole new level here. This wasn't this wasn't just, just walking the light. You got to see heaven. Yeah. You got to see heaven, and, and, and Casey's there. They're all clean. Their weapons are, 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 aren't broken anymore, because like, that was one of the things that really messed me up was the broken weapons. Yeah. The, the 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 broken weapons that Mikey had as relics and like obviously they couldn't be actually used in battle, but Mikey courtesy of Raphael, like I was like, Yes <laughs> Like just just I just lost it, man. And 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 figuring out his foe that had every advantage. And by the time Mikey got to Splinter Junior he was maybe twenty percent. <laughs> maybe twenty percent. And, and 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 Casey didn't have any part in the battle other than making sure that the rest of the city was safe, which is what she should have done. Yeah. No, yeah, no, Casey was awesome. She's very reminiscent of uh, Carrie Kelly from uh, Dark Knight Returns. Oh, that's a great that's a great parallel. Thank you on that one. Thank you on that uh, one. Yeah, no, it just it just makes sense. Freaking, she's a new character debuted for this series, and 
Man, it'll be, uh, be interesting to see if they actually go through and do a sequel to this. What'll, what it'll look like, you know? I think it better be freaking issue 7, man. I, like, there's no reason to just start Casey issue 1. I think, it need, I think they need to keep a good comic tradition written by good men that understand good comic traditions. And just, just let's just hit number seven. I don't care if we get one a quarter or two a year. Yeah, well, to see what happens, man. Freaking, it's definitely an interesting story worth continuing. And then, like I said, you get the the new turtles with their new names. What are they gonna What are they gonna be like? You know, you can't just do a straight template of the of the original four all over again because then it's just you're rehashing it. You got to go in a different direction. So it'll be interesting to see what they want to do. I agree. Next generation. Is this the NXT? No, this might actually work. Yeah, right. <laughs> I sent you that meme the other day that Sega Genesis was the WCW of uh, of video games. I was like, I gotta, I gotta buy more just WCW DVDs, man. Cause they're right. <laughs> no, that's fun, man. Freaking, they make better movies, though. <laughs> yeah. For real, man. Sega definitely makes better movies than WCW. Oh, I watched uh, Sonic Hedgehog two the other day. It was amazing. That was great. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I had just as much. I, I actually had more fun watching uh, Sonic two than I did Mortal Kombat two. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, well, the new Mortal Kombat, like the, uh, Mortal Kombat yeah. Annihilation. The soundtrack wasn't as good, but I'm talking about the the newest one. Gosh, that, gotcha. that was a crazy one, man. I, I'm I'm just so happy with this, and I hope Eastman and Laird keep us up. And we've got Armageddon game coming up in IDW, and I just over the moon for this book, man. It just it was such a good payoff. I I, I can't remember such a good payoff. Yeah, no, I freaking wrapped up well. Freaking nice little bow. Plus, we got the added intrigue of possible another story. So I'm not, I've never been a huge Turtles fan as far as the comic books, but this is one of those ones that makes you kind of want to pick up some books and kind of see what you're missing out on. I agree, man. I agree. We got the Big Rat King story that's been culminating for the past six years. They've been teasing a big rat story now, a rat king story now it's coming. Uh, awesome. They are borrowing from the pages of um, the Sandman, actually. Uh, and we'll get into that when we actually get into uh, what's going on in Armageddon game. But his brethren, uh, endless type uh, archetypes, like what the Sandman was, you know, Destiny, Dream, Destruction, um, mm-hmm. Delirium, Delight, um, all that good stuff, but man, the turtles. I, 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 I'm. I feel so justified, you know. Like my love of uh, the turtles has just paid off in so many different ways, man. Like awesome. <laughs> that was a, it was a hell of a read, man. A hell of a journey. Freaking well worth a year and a half wait to finally get, you know, everything together. Still wasn't as long as Doomsday Clock. Still not as long as Doomsday Clock. So. <laughs> Plus, you don't have to worry about the whole thing with everybody, uh, other comics being put on hold so they can finish this one. I agree. I agree, man. But that's what I got for this episode, man. This was a, this was killer. Are you, all right, so, uh, three, 
I failed three times a day, six last time. Seven, the last, last one. Mm-hmm. All right. That's how it right. And then four, first time we went, I believe, a friendly. I'm keeping tabs. Nice. Take about like three right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Well, we got a... Uh, we got new. Plus, plus we still got the. Uh, you gotta get that bet figured. Get the bet sorted out for. Uh, we gotta do double or nothing predictions at the end of the month. Oh yeah, you're right. It's already been three months. Yeah. Still missing on Mister Miracles. <laughs> oh yeah, I got your money. I got your money. I got your money. Yeah, but I don't have my money. That's the problem. You know, what? I'm just gonna give you the. 50, <laughs> I'm just gonna give you the fifty bucks because I'm worried. I'm gonna. I'm so paranoid. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You, you, I still have the text message saved of what I need to buy for you, but I'm so scared. I'm gonna buy it, like buy it from some guy on eBay, and you're gonna be like, you didn't check his, you didn't check his feedback, did you? I'm like, he's at ninety two percent. What's wrong with you? Ninety percent. There's a, there's a Cheeto stain on the corner. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would never be able to live that down, so I'm just gonna give him the money. Oh yeah, no, oh no, no. it would be it would be on like for, the proverbial Donkey Kong for literally ever. You bought me the comic with the Cheeto stain. I bought you the comic with the Cheeto stain. Bad enough you're into variants. Now you're into Cheeto stain comic books. You, you didn't use your uh, molecular level uh, zoom in <laughs> camera to figure out that there was a. A fingerprint on page 32. <laughs> it showed you and everything. You didn't even care. Yeah. I, I, I ain't going down that rabbit hole with you, brother. I'm just going to give you the money. <laughs> You're responsible for your rest of miracles. Uh, but we got... It's true. Uh, it's the last, the last two I need for the entire collection. We got we got a heavy month. Yeah, we do. We got a heavy month of... We got Square Circle Pro. We got New Era. Uh, are you Primos? I gotta figure that out still. Yeah, for Alpha Nine. Uh, we got Free Comic Book Day. Got to make sure I knock that out for you this Saturday. Uh, yeah. Miss Morales. And we gotta finish up the end of the month with uh, freaking AEW predictions. AEW predictions. Uh, and episode two and, and issue two of Dark. Of Dark, and we gotta do Arkham City, man. Like that. Yeah. I can't believe we fell asleep on that. Like, we, we were slaving over what to do for Dark One. Um, I say we do the Arkham and we do uh, that Curse of the Spawn, uh, five, through, 5 through 9. And. See what happens. Plus, we got Swamp Thing. We got something. Something's Killing the Children. We got House of Slaughter. We've got the Closet, because there's no way I can do closet it's getting too dark <laughs> it's getting it's, it's getting way too intense plus we got um a couple there's of a plethora we could use a plethora? We, got a, we got a million freaking black labels we could have fun with yeah i know right now oh, we got a uh, get joker coming out too yep so that's what get joker number three should be out this week yep finishing up the uh in theory finishing up the series yes sir uh, and then we got the ice cream gimmick we talked about. We'll, we'll we'll flesh that out off camera. Yep, sounds like a plan. Sounds like a great plan, man. We got a. Uh, uh, I'm gonna send you. Uh, we'll talk. I'll talk about it camera uh, off camera. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's my turn, man. Oh. 
Guys, this is minefields. This is dangerous. And this transmission is over. Buy the shirt. Catch this week. In good and rare.